Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.0A. We talk about the Michigan offense and how there is only exactly one thing that could possibly go wrong. What a year! It's amazing! All right, guys, so last year, before we started this podcast, I decided that what we needed to do is we needed to stop and smell the flowers a little bit, savor the Big Ten champions, because we didn't know at that point when that was going to happen again. And it turned out that we didn't need to wait very long at all. So now let's take a moment and savor your back-to-back defending Big Ten champion Michigan Wolverines. I called it, man. You did not. I absolutely did. I have a recording of me doing it. Okay, but it's a hot take. No, it wasn't a hot. It take. It was a hot take. It wasn't. It was an out. It was an outro. I don't think it. I don't think that's a hot take. It I was. Mean, it was an outro the week after we after we like you know screwed around with Illinois. Yeah. On my outro, yeah. I guaranteed a win against Ohio State. Oh yeah, yeah later a regular. But he's talking. No, no, wait, 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 wait. Brian's talking at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you but, didn't do it on the season. But even, even no, I didn't do it on the season. Preview. Even at the beginning of the season, how surprising was it that Michigan did what they did? I mean, there's some surprise to it, but well, like you, would, no one thought they were going to go like nine and three. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a good team, right? Really we, good. We team. knew you knew Michigan was going to be at the top end of the Big Ten, but to go into Columbus to beat them by 22 points to hold them to three points in the second half with no quorum, without Blake Corum. I mean, who expected that? We were worried about Iowa. We were like, "That's that's going to be the that's, no, that's no. going to be the moment that, that that yes yes we were worried about Iowa." We said they're going on the road and after at like Kinnick, they're, they're I, at Kinnick, yeah, meow. I was and we were like, about Iowa. "Have you watched Spencer Petras play football?" <laughs> Did you just say meow? <laughs> I did. That deserved a meow. Maybe another Is one. Is this where we say our names so no one sure. credits Seth Fisher yeah. for that one? <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm Brian Cook. I'm Seth Fisher. David Nasternak. Alex Drain. Bad. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He's, he's so, got a shtick. So this is... Uh, technically, the uh, season preview podcast, I suppose we might uh, get around to doing that. But first, let's talk about our sponsors. Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. I was playing tennis with a guy wearing a UGP shirt, and I was like, wow, that guy must have gone to any event in Ann Arbor recently. <laughs> our associate sponsors are Peak Wealth Management, Home Share Lending, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by Forum, where we are currently recording this, and the Nosebleeds, which is the Sklar Brothers reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass. All right. The 2023 Michigan Fighting Wolverines. That, that sounds horrible. Is, is, this, is this the last year of college football? Uh, no. It's like 
the last real year of college football? Look, I'm mad about all the expansion stuff, but look on the bright side. We will no longer have annual games against Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana. You don't know that. Yay. I do know that. Yeah, no, because we because when you join the conference, you play Michigan. The question is, how are they going to get us to visit Oregon, Washington, and USC all on the all same, same season? trip? Just stay out west and go down the coast. You know, the last team to join the Big Ten Conference and not play Michigan that year is Ohio State. Oh, wow. Yeah. They had to cancel their Michigan game because Michigan wasn't in the conference at the time. Michigan was like, nope, we're out. This is, this is stupid. We, we don't like your rules. Hey, we almost wanted to do that a few years ago. Or now. But anyway... Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about the upcoming season eventually, if we can get around to it. Sorry, Brian. Yeah. All right. Quarterback, J.J. McCarthy returns after a sophomore season in which he supplanted Cade McNamara, uh, displayed pretty much everything you could want in a quarterback, some questions about his deep ball accuracy. Mm, uh, yeah. Seth, you got to splice in the... Early. Yeah. Because <laughs> late, I have fewer questions. I want, yeah. that, I want that Gus Johnson call spliced in right here. McCarthy to throw it. McCarthy looking. Throws deep. Got wide open receiver. Cornelius Johnson sprinting. Touchdown, Michigan. 75 yards. They said the kid couldn't throw the deep ball. But uh, he did have an explosive end to the season in that department, both against Ohio State and TCU. Probably should have done more of that against TCU. But just focused on who J.J. is, what we can expect for him this year. I mean, really, just in terms of how the season goes, there are so few questions on this team that the number one question that does exist is what level is J.J. at? Well, you get a five-star quarterback and you get him to your th- his third year. You usually, unless there's some sort of off-season or, or off-the-field kind of thing, you usually get a star. Um, like you're, The sophomore year can always be a little wobbly. The freshman year, he's usually not himself. I mean, I'm taking that for granted. Yeah. I'm taking that for granted. I think the distinction we're making is like, is J.J. McCarthy a top 10 pick? Is he a second rounder? Is he a third rounder? That's kind of the range I think we're in. Right. He's not – I mean, we talk about redoing the offense sometimes and are they going to throw more because now J.J. is entering that phase. But, like, are they still going to throw? I mean, their offensive line is loaded and they have the two best running backs in the country. I mean, so you could see them – he could put, be at that level, but you might not see it. Someone has to throw to Donovan Edwards. Well, that's a later part of the show, right? Well, and uh, when you throw the ball, just in terms of, like, if Michigan's in a game where they're probably going to win – and that's basically every game except three they're going to be like at least two touchdown favorites in. You start thinking about mileage a little bit. And if J.J. McCarthy's throwing the ball, that mileage is not going on Blake Corum's legs. It's true. It's not going on Donovan Edwards' legs. And unless he gets hit or sacked, which would happen sometimes but not most of the time, it's not going on J.J.'s. And so they, they won't have to break out the run game either. Well, I mean, they, they are going to run the ball. They're a Jim Harbaugh team. But I think that there's a – compelling case for, in a lot of ways for Michigan to be more balanced this year. For one, you got some big boys at the end of the schedule and you want to be confident in your passing game. For two, you want to get there as healthy as possible. And for three, I mean, you want to be able to recruit wide receivers ever. <laughs> right. Wow. And quarterbacks for that matter. Because yeah. there's an important one, one coming up. One and you want to have Bryce little... Underwood might be interested to see if Michigan opens the offense up a little bit more this year. And, you know, they were 
when they did open it up, I think people are remembering, J, you know, JJ missing some uh, long passes early in the season. Yeah. He was still getting his, his arm just kind of coordinated. And they, they remember him scrambling around. And people forget there were hundreds of very good passes all throughout the season. He is excellent at throwing over linebackers and like zooming it into the exact right spot that Ronnie Bell needs it to like yeah. maximize his space 30 yards downfield. He is a and they don't throw this offense was not really built. When I went back and watched I, I went through the UFRs again to prepare for this and I was like why are we not, not these are not the things that JJ should be good at. They're like the things that Cade should be good at. They don't throw across the middle very often. They um, well, I mean, with a guy like JJ, he has that fifteen yard out to the field, that, and they didn't throw those very often. I mean, they threw them more than most other college teams because yeah. they don't have that in their toolbox, right? But like one of the things, and I, like the two pick sixes against TC really obscure this. But in terms of like a first time starter, a redshirt freshman, not a redshirt freshman, so a true sophomore. He was really good at not putting the ball into trouble. Mm-hmm. Like there, you know, I remember. I think it was Northwestern. Did we play Northwestern last year? No, no. It was some team that we played. We played a lot of teams, and there last year, and there was there was like this heave that got to Blake Corum. Everybody's like, "This is the worst idea." Penn State. The Penn State game. Yeah, it was and, right before the yeah, bad, the yeah. bad oh. double doink. Well, and, and you go back and you look at that, and he wasn't trying to throw it to Blake Corm. He's trying to throw it out of bounds, mm-hmm. and he got tackled as he was trying to throw it out of bounds. And you just didn't see the kind of like boggling. Why are you throwing directly to a linebacker? Errors that most young quarterbacks make. I I, I agree, but I also kind of thought that was the offense that. Michigan's offense does not give them a lot of opportunities to try to, like, here, go throw it to one guy in a one-on-one opportunity. And they don't give them a lot of opportunities to – the offense makes too much sense. It's not a Porches offense where it's like, you know, you and Jeremy Gallon kind of have to figure this out between you. Like, it just, go make it a makes, play. They, the offensive system creates a spot where you're going to throw it. It's a very pro-style system. And also, you normally have linebackers just – Running at the at the line of scrimmage, so you don't have a middle. <laughs> it, it 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 operates a little weirdly because of the way the teams have to play against Michigan, unless it's third down. So I guess that's Michigan using their run game to protect the young quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if they are moving beyond that <clears throat> to something where the quarterback is actually a threat on a first down most of the time, then. I don't know what you do against this offense because you already have an extremely difficult time just controlling the, controlling the ground game. And I think as we saw in the TCU game, like if they had put more into that play action pass, I think you charted them for what, six? Yeah. Six play action passes. Versus then, 36 runs. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So like <clears throat> they got to be more balanced than that in big games this year. Yeah. Well, they were against Ohio State, right? I mean, that's where they hit them all. It's like play action stuff. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you no, know it's there. It's this has just becomes a question of well, the, how much are you going to dial it in? I mean, the Cornelius Johnson touchdowns were not play action. Second one wasn't. No. Okay. Just so it was just the Loveland one. Yeah. And then the jump pass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that did not need to be a jump pass. It could just, no. It could have just been play action. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> so McCarthy. Uh, 
has that year and you go back and you look at those deep shots that he was missing mm-hmm. and the thing that really strikes you is that they're not way off mm. you know it's like most of them weren't andrew anthony is just diving for a ball and gets his hands on it but it's a really tough catch you can't bring it in or it goes right through anthony's hands against he overshot wilson a couple times he did overshoot wilson a couple times where it wasn't catchable <clears throat> but they weren't even when he was overshooting they weren't like you know, they were close enough to merit us to go, ah! Right. Right? Like, it wasn't like, what are you doing with that? And so, you know, we look at these things in, in sports today where it's like, all right, we want to look at XG instead of just goals because that's more predictive of the future. Mm-hmm. And I think if you had a metric in, in sports where it was like, this is our expected profit from this quality of throw, I think he would have way underperformed his quality of throw and his stats. Well, there was, I mean, the Rutgers game alone, just, yeah. didn't, you know, <laughs> they, those were good throws under duress sometimes. I So one of the questions I wanted to address, I, I asked myself and I wanted to ask you guys, how would you attack J.J. McCarthy? If you're like the co- the opposite coach, um, and I, I kind of came up with blitz the middle because he doesn't throw from different arm angles very often. He'd rather just scramble out of there. Uh, yeah, but I, he's, he's pretty good at that. Like, but he's really good. He's good at that. But if you blitz the middle and just kind of have contain on the outside. So you blitz the middle and it's like. And he doesn't like to throw slants very often. I mean, you're blitzing up the gut, right? Yeah. And so you're going right at Zinter, Keegan, and Nugent. Like, that doesn't seem like. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you just have to. No, you can either overload. Because there's only three of those guys. You bring four guys, yeah, I and know, gonna, but, you know, someone's going to miss. You know, is Blake Corum going to fill that hole and, like, use his little tiny brick body to stop the last linebacker? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, that's that's why we're having this conversation is because Ohio State was like, we cannot get beat on the ground. And so we're going to stack the box and see if this guy can beat us over the top. Turns out he could. Mm-hmm. And then they had to loosen up in the second half. And then they, Michigan started running the ball. And at that point, you're just like, well, I'm now holding all the trump cards. So I don't know. You have to probably play very conservative and make them eke their way down the field. I would hope, not play conservative hope, against this offense. Well, <laughs> Look at Iowa, Michigan State. But, isn't, played but isn't that I mean, what Michigan but has Iowa, done in the past against Ohio State when they've had a big explosive offense? Is like just hopefully they miss a pass. Hopefully you get a sack and then you force a field goal because mm-hmm. you're not going to stop them. Was mm-hmm. Michigan State wrong to do that? Michigan scored 29 points in that game. Yeah. Like, if you're Ohio State, that might be enough to win. Wouldn't mm-hmm. have been the last two years, but it might be enough to win <laughs> this year. So, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. And then the other thing that we haven't even t- touched on yet is McCarthy on the ground. And we saw in the Penn State game, like, he – Michigan had two different plays blocked to the safety mm-hmm. that should have been touchdowns that weren't touchdowns. But then in the second half, you have two touchdowns that are – uh Huge long plays for the running backs, where the running back just runs into open space because the right. guy was supposed the guy who was supposed to be on the running back went with the quarterback. Well, and one of them is pretty subtle because yeah. it's the backside linebacker on a pin and pull who gets reached basically by Hayes, right? And that's normally not something you see happen because pin and pull is like the least subtle of all running plays, right? Because you got like two different guys pulling at the same time. This is the gap. <laughs> right. We're coming here like, with everything we got. Like it's not yeah. hard to key on. <laughs> yeah, you see linebackers flow super hard to it, and on that one, he checks up for a minute, and that's why you can send Donovan Adams right to the safety, and that's only going in one way. Mm-hmm. And then on the second one, Kalen King is just straight up checking McCarthy the whole play, right? And so that turns those 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 uh, ground gains from 
15 to 20 yards into touchdowns. And we really did not see much of that from McCarthy the rest of the season. And part of that makes perfect sense because if you're playing, you know, Jamokes, you don't want to expose your quarterback. But when you get to TCU and it's wide open, and, and they did pull it out again late against TCU, and guess what? It worked. He had like a couple, you know, 15 and a 20-yard run and a, you know. A touchdown run, didn't he? Like, yeah. Well, yeah. and, and against <laughs> Ohio State, they didn't use it until the second half. Mm -hmm. But that long touchdown drive that kind of broke their backs, like you get, I think, a 17-yard run from McCarthy, and then he finishes the drive off with a touchdown. Yep. So <clears throat> it's a, it's a – Balance you need to strike, but it. I guess what I prefer in an offense is you use your quarterback early, you establish him as a threat, and then you get the rest of the game with people wondering if the quarterback's got the ball. Because then you have all your constraint plays. Right. Yeah. And look, I mean, I don't want J.J. McCarthy running the ball more than five times a game. I mean, eight, honestly, but <laughs> realistically five. <laughs> I mean, we because we all know the one way to, you know, that damage the season is right. to hurt JJ, and I'm sure the coaches are. But you got to you got to balance that out with like sequencing your play calling, making yourself dangerous, getting McCarthy into a groove with that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, and it's tough. And but I kind of feel like they didn't quite use his legs to the full extent that they could last year. So one thing you could do is run the Andrew Luck stuff. Because they were doing a lot of banana where just like the quarterback is the fourth read. And so like if the linebacker stays with your last drag, the quarterback just cuts inside and runs. And then the quarterback really has an op. He can choose where he goes down. There, I mean, there were a couple of plays like that. They ran Bredesen into the flat and someone went with him and McCarthy took off for a, a nice mm -hmm. game. But <clears throat> I don't think that I'm going to be super happy about the deployment of J.J. McCarthy's legs this year. Because yeah. <laughs> like regardless. No, just what's gonna happen is that they're gonna it's gonna be basically the same as it was this year. I think we're gonna get to like Alex That's Orgy part of the, the the game and be like, oh, they can do this again. Well, I mean, on the one hand, like, yeah, what's the only thing that derails the season is McCarthy injury. Uh -huh. Are you gonna win these games without running McCarthy? Yes. So, so, I, so, so why, why? Am I, why am I even bothered? I will point out they were running a lot of zone reads in the spring game. I mean, it's, like a lot. It, they also weren't playing McCarthy, though. Well, but it's a it's a brutal thing to have to defend a guy who can run and throw like McCarthy if he's really a threat to both on every play. Especially when the other people out there are Blake. <laughs> we'll get, we'll right. get to the back here. Right, yeah. like, well, and then the, the other problem with not running McCarthy is that you don't change the offense. You just turn the reads off. Yeah. And when you turn the reads off, have we ever seen that? Things get ugly sometimes. <laughs> like yeah. whenever you're playing Rutgers and the reads are off. Yeah. The, I mean, just the run game looks so much worse because Rutgers is like, we're Rutgers. Yeah. They're not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, really, they really do. He's but not like, pulling this ball. <laughs> I think that worked with Ohio State, though, because Ohio State's like, we're Ohio State. They're, they're obviously going to do it. And so they were checking him and we got a few handoffs one of them was a, a stokes run that there was like wide open stokes didn't cut back but that back was open because they were out there checking mccarthy well and at the end of the game they have a double blitz off the left side of the line right <laughs> and ransom checks up because he's like what if mccarthy has the ball and the other guy's like uh that's my job bro Oh, and like I, and you know, if Ransom doesn't do that, it's possible he tackles Edwards. But Edwards just might have gotten through that gap fast anyway. So that poor guy's film session that week. 
I uh, <laughs> there was. I think Pro Football Focus put up a, a tweet. It was like these are the best returning safeties in the Big Ten. Uh-huh. And Ransom was like third. What? And he had like a seventy-seven. And he was and he was first before the, that game. And every every comment was like he must have had a hundred before the Michigan. <laughs> Was he? Good? It's, it's, it's not the right good. segment, but his his PFF scores based on like game is pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. Well, so he is good. He just wasn't. No, he's only good against like Rutgers. Okay. I, I mean, he had the worst game I've ever seen anyone in. His worst graded games were Georgia, Michigan, and like Penn State. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. So he he passed John O'Corn for the worst performance in the game in uh, in recent he, history. He made it wow. a conversation. <laughs> I would argue. We're going to leave it at that. <laughs> So, can we ask the question that's on everyone's mind? Because I did a mailbag in the summer, and I got a lot of questions about this in particular. How scared should we be that J.J. does not make a leap like Shea Patterson did in 2019? I'm not worried about that at all. Okay. Explain yourself. Shea Patterson was on the golf course, and his (laughs) offensive coordinator called him out in a press conference. Yeah. J.J. McCarthy... Is meditating under the banyan tree about football. About and and like he's, he's Jim just, Harbaugh reincarnated. He's just a different dude. Like Patterson clearly, you know, had some other things going on in his life, and I just don't think anything from inside the program indicates that McCarthy is anything except totally dedicated to being. It sounds like everyone on the team is being filed under. What do well, we label? And Patterson also is not the arm talent that JJ was part of Patterson's thing was he was a really good runner. No. And that took No. Now for Michigan he wasn't. For so, Michigan he was terrible. But that but he, he was took capable. A hit. He was capable. He took a hit in the first like the first keep on like it was like the second play overall against MTSU. Oh yeah. And he took a hit and he was he had bad ribs the rest of the year. He refused and, to keep the ball. There was a yeah. remember that Illinois game where they called the same play twice in a row? Because right. <laughs> it was like <laughs> Keep the damn ball. Yeah. <laughs> the second one went for 18 yards, and that was like the last time he ever kept it at Michigan. So, like, yeah. I just don't. So, the second half to the question is, this time last year, you were making the argument for significant improvement from Cade. Oh, boy. And in 2017, there was arguments for significant improvement from Wilton Spate, neither of which happened. So Well, Wilton Spate got hurt. And that was the offensive line with, like, Ulizio on Yeah. Right? right. Yeah. She did not have a good O-line. So, and like, he uh, did miss throws early on against, like, Cincinnati and Florida. Yeah. He was okay, yeah. but he wasn't great. But he was just – he just got crushed. Later on, yeah. Yeah. And so, I feel like – So, I, I explained most of those away in the piece on varying, you know, explanations. But we are at this point in the Harbaugh era where we have not seen a returning quarterback make the jump. We want them to make. Also, we have no idea how Cade McNamara would have played last year. Mm-hmm. He had one iffy game, and then it was like, I mean, it was he was injured. He was out out the rest of the year. So, like, we don't really know about Cade. Sure, we know that he didn't like his job being under pressure, and he kind of cracked. I guess we there. might find out this year. <laughs> I honestly like. I, I'm just saying this is what people. This is what are the, concerned the, about. The, the, so this I, is you have to calm answers. them down. Okay, there is a new quarterback coach. <laughs> so, uh, but I. I it was like his bestie, right? It was his bestie, and yeah. Matt Weiss was like, of all things he was, he was not a quarterback coach. And I think that, like, I, that, that's that's another, you know, pro, even though sometimes you can be like, oh, no, a new quarterback coach could, like, screw a guy up or whatever. But I think Weiss was not here to be quarterback's coach. I think they fit him in as quarterback's coach so they could have his, like, I mean, computer whiz genius stuff. I guess I'd argue that. <laughs> wow, there's some jokes yeah. in there, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> 
That one had layers. <laughs> uh, I guess I'd argue that I don't think J.J. McCarthy really needs to improve that much. Okay. Like, I don't think he needs to make a leap. To do what? To be an All-American. Okay. Well, the like, problem I- with that is that other guys are... Other quarterbacks are going to shoulder the burden of their team yeah. a lot more. I mean, than he's he not is. going to be an All-American, right? Because because they won't throw. I him mean, C.J. Stroud threw the ball all the time, right? That's not going to happen. Not going to happen. That's fine. But he can play at that level. I agree. And one of the fun, one of the interesting, most interesting things that I've come across when I'm doing the season preview stuff is I started looking up his grades on Pro Football Focus per game, just overall, and they had him as like a 95 last year. On throws of more than 24, 20 yards. Really? Last year. The year where okay. a kid couldn't throw the mm-hmm. ball. And I was going over all these clips, and I'm like, well, maybe these are all like 20-yard crossing arts and darts. And the funniest thing I came across is I could not find a pass with 20 air yards or 22 air yards. <laughs> that, that's what I was saying. No, what I'm saying is that, like, those don't exist. Yeah, they're not in the offense. No, no, they don't exist in football. Oh, because that whole shot in cover two, that's 18 yards in the air. Okay. Sure. Those crossing routes, that's 18 yards in the air. And there's like this weird no-go zone where if, if you're, you got 21 air yards, that's like safety territory. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. I, and so like I really think that anything over 20 yards is probably going to be bomb territory. And even on those throws that people thought he wasn't compl- uh, completing, Pro Football Focus is like, yeah, this guy's awesome. And I think – the receivers have a lot to do with that. So if Nico Collins is on last year's team, good God. What? Oh, yeah. what on Don't earth? do that to us. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, Probably still had eligibility for that year. For last so year. Your, your downfield threats are Ronnie Bell, who's six foot. Yeah. They're Roman Wilson, who's really fast but not huge. Andrew Anthony, who just couldn't put it together last year. Couldn't catch the ball and hit him in the hands. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who I think might be a huge talent, but just – wasn't ready last year. He also year. could be really good at Oklahoma this year. Yeah, I'd, he, he I would probably not, need to be in an offense that throws the ball to him more than twice. As, like, I would not be game. surprised if he has a huge year at Oklahoma. Yeah. But last mm-hmm. year, just wasn't quite there. Yep. Um, and then Cornelius Johnson, who you know is a solid player, but he's not Marvin Harrison Jr. And Bill Connolly has a stat where he looked up uh, yards per attempt on contested catches for like the Big Four quarterbacks last year at the. At, Alabama, mm-hmm. Ohio State, Georgia, and Michigan. And usually those completion rates are like 44%. Not great. Right. Six yards an attempt. JJ was at like 30%, 3.2 yards an attempt. He was way behind the rest of these guys on contested catches. I bet you there were just like a lot fewer, period. Yeah. That's also true. Yeah. Because I also went back and I looked at our wide receiver charting. Yeah. And last year – not last year, the Cade McNamara year, Mm -hmm. I charted maybe, uh, I think it was like about 150 threes and twos, circus and tough catches. Seth probably charted those. Yeah. Seth charted it. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. That's a good point. Uh, (laughs) And I charted less than 40% of that for J.J. McCarthy. Yeah. So at the same time, we had so many more throws moving into routine buckets, which I think is a great sign. Our performance on tougher throws, tougher catches, got so much worse. So Michigan does need a contested catch guy. I think we know who that's going to be. It's going to be Colson Lovelock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Unless Darius Clemens. 
But that's a, that's a conversation for later. But I yep. think yeah. if he has a contested catch guy where it's like, uh, well, nothing really looks good. Let's just hit this guy. And they did start throwing a couple of those later. Yeah. There's one against Purdue. The touchdown against yeah. Purdue. Yeah. 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 And then they, they tried it early against TCU as well. And and one of the quotes from this offseason, which I'm putting in the tight ends article, is like the contested catches he is, Colson Loveland is making in practice is ridiculous. So I think that combination is going to really boost JJ's efficiency because he didn't really have a guy last year where it's just like, all right, go go bail us out, go get it. Yeah. And 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 the guys would drop things that there were there were a lot of twos last year. I remember just yeah. And you expect that's those aren't like contested catches. Those are, you know, I'm throwing it to you and you have half a second before you get hit. Kind of throws. Yeah, the whole Rutgers game was like, please help your quarterback out. Yeah, and. It just didn't happen last year, and I don't necessarily think that that's because they're bad players. I mean, Bell was drafted by the NFL. He's probably going to make the 49ers. He just had a seven-catch game in a preseason game, so he's probably a solid player. But just circumstance, I think, didn't really work out for Michigan. And two years ago, we were talking about this with the red zone office halfway through the year. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if this is a real thing. And then they were like 15 of 15 for touchdowns down the stretch, (laughs) right? Right. So it's possible that the issues that we saw last year were just ephemeral. Like, they weren't real. Yeah. Um, and I think the what you saw in the TCU, Purdue, and Ohio State games indicates that's probably the case, right? Because they were super explosive in those games. Well, and they, they got a little better at play calling, too. And that, that might get into, like, some other pieces other than the quarterback. Well, but that's... Like, that was... They were... When you go back and look at, like, why the red zone inef- was so inefficient, it was because they got down there like, oh, we're Michigan. They just tried to, like, bowl everybody over. Yeah, they they had some pretty stupid yeah. play quality sequences. <laughs> and it showed up again against TCU. Yeah. But, well, that guy is no longer with the program, so. Yay. All right. Uh, the other, the rest of the backfield, are we done on JJ? Because there's other guys in the backfield, you know. Uh, well, we will probably want to talk about the backup quarterback. Backups, yeah. Too, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there are a few interesting guys. I thought guys. we were just going to ignore this was going to happen. So, Jack Tuttle transfers in from Indiana, former top 100 recruit who went to Utah. This well, is the second straight year we're discussing Jack Tuttle on the podcast. Well, he was. I, I listened to the opponent run from last year, yeah. uh-huh. and we discussed Jack Tuttle versus Connor Basilak in the Indiana <laughs> section. Well, were there any v- listeners? He, he to lost that? that job to Connor Basilak, and it's really hard to watch what Connor Basilak did last year and be like, I have confidence in Jack Tuttle. Because mm-hmm. Basilak was terrible. The only thing I will say is that the year before Michael Penix left, his production went off a cliff. And I remember reading your FIFO films on Indiana, and you're just like, this offensive line is a black hole. Nobody can do anything behind it. Yep. So it's possible that if he's protected, he'll be a guy who can come in. And honestly, at that point, he's just a caretaker, right? I mean, I he's Alan, Alan Bowman, right? Yeah, I Alan Bowman call him. start for Okie State. Sure. <laughs> but Bowman came here for a couple of years yeah. to be the third or fourth I mean, quarterback. I don't think Tuttle has – because Tuttle is – old player and he had a lot of time to play when Penix was hurt and you got to see what he was and Indiana was like see what he was in the context of Indiana's offense but that offense was not the Walt Bell offense yet it was actually pretty quarterback centric and they it was they quarterback gave, centric but they it was like a Rutgers offense because they couldn't protect him so like yeah his, his you know passes are all behind the line of scrimmage because that's all they can do 
So, like, I think there's some possibility that there's a little bit more there than I think there has to be indicate. some possibility, at least, because, I mean, Harbaugh went out to get him. Yeah, I mean, he's he was a captain at Indiana. Uh, they needed some more experience in their quarterback room. Right. It's cost-free, basically, because Michigan doesn't have a scholarship limit. Like, But there it, are probably other Jack Tuttles that Harbaugh could have Yeah, I mean, he knows the league, I guess. For. Like, I don't know. I feel like if you want someone to come in and hand it off a bunch and then, like, pop up for a play-action pass, that will probably be okay. I think Tuttle can give that to you. Um, sure. I mean, he's. I think he's a significant step down from Cade, and I. Yeah. And I honestly don't think he's going to be QB two in this uh, this season. Oh, I agree. With who that do you think completely. is QB two? Warren. Totally. I'm totally there. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we didn't see him play very well in the spring game. Yeah. And that was the big knock. But before that, you know, he was, you know, pretty good against he, the. He the played fine in, last year in in mop up duty. I thought. Yeah, he, he did. Uh, he he kept the ball and and ran a little bit and. Like looked like an athlete, and you go back to his recruiting story. This guy was, you know, headed towards being a four star until he got was it leukemia? Yes, and that kind of does things to be right. Like, well, yeah, and yeah. Then he uh, tried to have a senior season, and that got coveted. Right. So, like, so that like nobody knows, but this is a guy who, you know, you would expect him to play for like be Washington's recruit for a year or something like that. I think that's a better player than what Tuttle ended up being. I think regardless, we want Davis Warren to be the quarterback too, right? Yeah. Because if he wins that job, then, well, you know. I want Alex Orgy to be quarterback. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> no, because they, the, that's not a the, joke. The, the no, biggest... I, I, it's, it, it does make it harder to recruit receivers. I, no, I, mean, I think the point <laughs> is that if Jack Tuttle wins QB2, then that's just sort of a sign that all these guys don't have much of a pulse. Right, like if if Davis Warren can't beat out Jack Tuttle, then we should not be talking about Davis yeah. Warren in like the long term. Tuttle, Tuttle's but, floor is Tuttle's ceiling as well. Like that's that's what he is. But okay. also, like Warren is JJ Light. Like he he moves well. He okay. he throws all right. So you don't have to change anything. The difference between McCarthy and McNamara was vast because they're just different players. Yeah, I don't think that McCarthy and Warren are different players. One is a lot better than the other, but they're they both have the same skill sets. That's a good point. And now we get to talk about Alex Orji. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> You've been trying to get us there for two minutes. Okay, well, so I was... Boy, that, that one just... <laughs> <when> I... <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Seth. Come on, There's like man. four dudes in this room. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm going to have to report you to HR, which is also me. <laughs> Are you talking to Seth or to RG3? <laughs> I don't want to talk... RG3 cannot be in the same room as this man. <laughs> Any case, can we... <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to seriously talk about him. Alex, where'd you go? All right. So I'm putting together a season preview and I come across like this tweet where it's some guy talking about Alex Orgy, like the baby Gronk guy. Will baby Gronk lead LSU to a national championship? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Alex Orgy can fight an elephant. I'm like, oh man, that's cool. I like, I like quarterbacks who can fight elephants. Um, <clears throat> so... He's 235 pounds. He's 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 a he's a 235 pounds of twisted blue steel, and he can really run the ball. And he went from one of seven in the spring game as a freshman to four of six. So if you project that out next year, he will be completing 120 percent of his passes. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. 
That's mad. They also wanted to be a kick returner, which is yeah, <laughs> yes. Is it, is it kick return or punt returner? Kick, kick, okay. okay. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. I think Craig was saying punt returner. And I, I, I like, wondered at first. I thought like okay, because like the rumor came through first, the message boards, and then like Harbaugh just like yeah, this is this is. Well, true. what was great about Harbaugh that? Harbaugh said he could be the greatest <laughs> kick returner <laughs> of all time because he'd never watched. And like Mel Gray is like. Come on, Devin, bro. Devin was, Hester. Desmond <laughs> Howard went to this school. <laughs> what was great about the orgy kick returner thing is that for the couple days it was on the message board, like people were su- like suggesting it, but the actual insiders were like, they've got something planned for Alex Orgy. It's really <laughs> exciting. We can't tell you. It's yeah. a secret. And then Harbaugh walks out to the podium the next day and he's like, I'll tell you the secret right now. <laughs> Alex Orgy's a kick returner. It's the best Harbaugh thing of all time. <laughs> Just screwing the media at any possible point. <laughs> but I think he's an interesting guy because you can Tim Tebow with him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to see what that short yardage package looks like. Yes. You know, Zinter yeah, wants Zinter wants the, the formation where it's 10 offensive linemen <laughs> and one running back. Hey, what if we make need, that running back Alex Orgy? They need somebody to divide. They need somebody who knows what they're doing with that. Like they have every time they've done a, like an Orgy cap cat. package or like a wildcat package, they don't know how to design it to make the quarterback really a threat. Yeah. Except for just like, okay, we're going to hand it to him at the beginning. Well, this is I'm, – I'm envisioning this as short yardage basically. Yes, but like you well, – like, Yost plays are in the Bentley library. They could go and look at them and those are the same plays that you're the Chiefs You're asking football run. coaches to go into a library. <laughs> this is that's the least realistic thing that's ever been said <laughs> on this podcast. This is Jim Harbaugh. I know for a fact that he knows where the Bentley is. Okay. All right. Alex? <laughs> well, the thing is that Orgy – if you're running the Haskins cat with Orgy, the – threat is a lot better of him throwing yeah. right like that is what could justify why the haskins cat and all you know those other iterations didn't work i mean you remember how hard to stop jt barrett was in yeah. short yardage or tim tebow yeah, yeah. exactly like, like i think that's that's the comparison here is like i mean if alex orgy can fall forward every time yeah then like look out i mean i don't hate that idea the only problem that we had because we talked about this the other day alex was that if you're going to bring him in, you're taking JJ off the field. I understand that, but I think there are certain situations where uh, I am okay with that, particularly like inside in the, the five. Yeah, in the low red zone, like the the bell dozer kind of package kind of thing, especially if you have Donovan Edwards in the backfield because you I mean, motion Donovan Edwards you have, out. You'd have Blake Corum. He's no, I mean, scores there all the time. Well, yeah, but I, I th- and we talked about like taking a load off some of these guys. All right, fair. And this is something. Where you got some lead time, right? You got you got a non conference schedule. So just you get the ECU game. You, where, no, you can you can play around with it, right? Yeah. You can like bring it in and see how you feel about it. But I think he's a unique talent, and I think there might be a role for him this year. Yeah, I I if you go back and look at Tebow the before uh, what was it, the two thousand six season when he or the two thousand five season he when was, he no, was no six he was a freshman he was rotating he was he was yeah, under Chris, Chris Leak. Leak. Wait, right so Chris Leak was the quarterback yeah and they and Chris Leak ran the offense but then they would bring in a Tebow package for third and two yeah and it was awesome and like that there was you had to prepare for both these guys and there was like two different offenses and two different like mindsets and you basically needed two different players like you have to like switch out your linebacker from the 230 pound guy to the 260 pound guy to stop Tebow from just like rocking him over when he ran into him yeah and i'm not saying that that's definitely going to be the case 
But Orgy has the athletic package where it's just like, there's definitely a chance that he's a game changer in short yard. They also return like everyone on offense. So it's not like you need all of fall camp to get to know each other. That's so true. you can spend this time doing this funky stuff. Yeah. And I mean, you can toss it up to Loveland or you can just have a play. Like if Edwards goes out, if the safety goes out there with him, then Orgy is keeping it. Just have certain read, pre-snap reads right. that are easy to find. Yeah. Right. And they don't have to – I'm not even talking about RPOs. It's just like you said, like a pre-snap read or like watch the motion and that will tell you where they have the extra player. And that takes that safety out of the play because what – what they've been doing against Michigan is they've been using that extra safety to bring him in and attack and, like, just double up on the quarterback. And you can't do that if you have Edwards running out there alone right. or Loveland is sneaking out in the flat. So I think it's I think it's something to look into. We'll see if they actually go through with it. Um, I'm hoping they do. It would be another curveball throw teams, and Michigan can throw a lot this year. So. It would be something for us to talk about on the <clears throat> podcast at the end of the non-conference yes. game. Yes. <laughs> And that is probably the most critical part of all. <laughs> all right, moving on to running backs. Uh, is this the best duo in school history? So I want, before you say that, is Corum the best running back? Is it, Can you tell me a running back in Michigan history you would take over him? Uh, Definitively. There, like, there might be guys you'd be like, well, maybe this guy's in the conversation. But is there a guy really? that is definitive? So Heston was the best player in college football for three years. Okay, row. Craig Ross. But... <laughs> But in the in the not, Bowen later cannot, era, I mean, the, right, yeah. he was also playing against guys who were 1969 smokers. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bowen later era. Yeah, no, I he's, he's the best. I mean, we just rewatched the he's season, the and like half his runs, you just start laughing. We got to the end of the heart of Hart's career and asked if he was the best. So if he's is he better than Hart? Yes, uh, yes, he's better than Hart. He's is, Mike Hart, but fast. Is he better than Ty Wheatley? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty definitive. I mean. I just okay. So last year we came into the to the season saying, okay, Corum is really really good and we really like him. But Haskins picked up all those like chunk runs in short yardage yeah. and moved the pile. And you're just like, I'm not sure. Is he big enough? Is he, is he strong enough? And then like within a few games, you're like, yeah. Well, plus he that, hits the Jets, and you're like, oh, no one's catching. There's this that guy. Maryland game where he gets hit like two yards from the first down by two different guys. Yeah, and then I <laughs> I put this in the UFR. He Samwise Gamgee'd him up, those guys up Mount Doom. <laughs> I'm such a dork. <laughs> it's, you don't even is, know what I'm that is talking what, about, Dave. That is what is people come Tra- to, Is that Star Trek? No. no. That is what people come to MGO Blog for. Yeah. If they if if they they want they the, come here for Sam Star Trek Frodo. references? No, it's 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 cooks and tooks. But so <laughs> he added the short yardage to his game. That's absolutely correct. It's something that I didn't necessarily see happening no one did i do think that that took some of his top end out yeah like there were guys who were catching up to him last year that never caught up to him the year before as a trade i think that's something you make because he's still plenty fast he's just not outrunning everybody on the football he's not winning the gold medal he's winning the silver medal right and then he has oh my god those runs the thing is that there were like four of them there was one against illinois there's one against maryland one against indiana one against indiana where he just ghosts four different guys yep. at the mm-hmm. same time. Yep. And you're just like, I, I I, can't remember being this happy about a running back. That's what I mean. He, There's not – I mean, there are guys – like you mentioned Wheatley. Yeah. Okay. He's really, really good and definitely in the conversation. But he's not definitively better than Blake Corm. He would not – Wheatley – I mean, 
I don't. I hate to bring up these offenses because they were so frustrating to watch. But like Wheatley did not have the feet, so if he got stuck in the backfield, they got him down. You know, for yeah. for no gain. Even if he had like all that size, Corum, he's gonna get you a couple extra yards just because like there's no way to get. A, they can't get a little lock he's on so it. So low, and he's so low, and he's like he's just gonna start burrowing in there. And he, Hart had the same thing. You can't get a a good shot at him because he's moving faster than you. You can't you can't see him. He moves he moves. I don't think if he got into the open field against a safety, I don't think that guy tackled him once this year. No. Like Yeah. It was he the guy was just dead meat. He also had like three ways to beat you in that situation. Yeah. Well do you remember when the when Jack Campbell got uh, drafted, yeah, the <laughs> I Twitter know. like uh, exploded with a Blake Corum yeah. versus Jack Campbell, yeah. and like and you're hearing like the NFL say like this guy is like one of the best athletes had like some of the best testing at the yeah. combine he, he for linebackers. The, he crushed the combine. Yeah, Jack Campbell crushed the combine. Yeah, and and you saw him in space was, against Blake Corum. That, like, like, that was kind of fun. <laughs> that would not that would have been a touchdown if it was one hand touch. Yeah, and you guys were worried about Iowa. I didn't say I was worried about Iowa. <laughs> Go back and listen to that podcast. And that was the conversation was like, we're going to find out in Iowa City. Well, <laughs> so the thing about Quorum that you get, you don't get from the explosive runs, you don't get unless you actually chart the guy, is that he just doesn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And like for years, all of the UFR commenters have been like, that is an unrealistic expectation to have for a running back whenever I say anything. And I'm telling you that it is an unrealistic <laughs> expectation if you have the greatest running back in the history of the Michigan football program. So there was one run last year where he bounced outside of G.O.L. Hottie. Yep. On the goal line. On the goal line. And I think he probably picked up four other minuses across the football season when she carried the ball 400 times. Yep. I, I remember my mind being blown one time when I gave him a, a charted negative for going the wrong way. I think it was against Rutgers or something. Well, <laughs> I, he's got to be right. I, Someone I was, else had to have screwed up. I was like, I, I, I had to watch the play several more times. Like, no, that was actually on Blake Corum. I can't believe it. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you did the offense last year. Yeah. And I was, you know, looking at you as far as I'm like, this guy's, this guy's a pushover. <laughs> like, <laughs> This guy, this guy is just grading on vibes. Like, <laughs> yeah, we got to this, the end of the Washington game, and you're like, "What are you doing, Seth? You're doing this wrong." I yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "This is impossible. <laughs> you cannot grade a running back like this." And then I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I guess." Yes. I guess he was right. Yeah, like Corum. Yeah. And the thing is, Pro Football Focus is, is in the same boat. He had the highest graded season in the history of Pro Football Focus for a Power 5 player last year. Mm-hmm. And the other guys in the conversation were all top five picks. Now, he's not going to be a top five pick because he's a running back. But that's – like we don't care about his draft position. We care about his impact on the football field. And he should – if he doesn't get injured last year, I think he wins a Heisman. And I think he's at that level. I think he has – and he came back, you know. Yeah. Like, there's this – Sam Webb is in a golf cart with Donovan Edwards. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> and I'm watching this video, and like he's like, I'm a little, ma- I'm a little mad. I'm like, go get paid, and I'm like, <laughs> but he's like, no, I want to come back and like establish my legacy. Oh my god, <laughs> he is a perfect human being. Well, yeah. he, I mean, the story about him and his dad, who they text each other every day about what hard work they did that day. Who does that? I don't. Blake. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's i mean this was I, in his recruiting profile he was cut from something else and you know he had he was at saint francis right so yeah. he he po- pokey was the one saying like i've never had a harder working player yeah how many hard working players has he had seriously yeah like in the ufrs last year i just stopped talking about him because it was yeah, like, cause what's you, there to say? Well, we would do that on the podcast because like, oh he, oh, he made four more runs that made my eyes fall out again. Right. It's because the UFR is like supposed to be interesting and novel information. And yeah. It's like, he reached the Aiden Hutchinson level where it's like, yep. Yeah. I, he's that dude. Yeah. I think the last well, – we got mad at him for stepping out of bounds a couple of times. That so. was weird. Yeah. So which the, which <laughs> the Illinois game, yeah. he steps out of bounds twice. One is like – Kind of semi-defensible, but then he's out in space on a screen pass, yeah. uh-huh. and he's past the last defender, yeah. who's got like a shot at an ankle tackle, and he just goes out of bounds. And I feel like it's the week before the Ohio State game. Everybody is like, let's not get injured. Let's let's uh, let's all be safe. And we all know how this ends. So. And that's how it ended. <laughs> yeah. You can't play football like that. Yeah. If, if he would have known what the rest of that game would have been like, you think he would have tried to score? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's like the thing is like if you were more aggressive in those ways, sometimes you don't have to play the third or fourth quarters. Yeah. Like, and it would be nice if Michigan was able to do that this year because last year, I mean, they went into halftime, they'd outgain the opponent by 200 yards and the score would be like 14 to 13. And this is, I mean, this was a Bo thing. It was a Lloyd thing. Michigan fans have been dealing with this thing for I don't, I years. Mean, this isn't like, this is the year to break that because yeah. like, look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, Donovan Edwards, Donovan Edwards, who uh, nice transition, destroyed Ohio State with one arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's true. I forgot. <laughs> and also played most of the season with a knee issue. Yeah, because he got that early. I think. Yes, mm-hmm. he did get that early. He missed a couple of games uh, and had to have off-season surgery to fix that. So that's not even the full. Donovan Edwards. We've seen the full Donovan Edwards. It was the that one game against Maryland. Well, he had he eight rushing freshman. yards in that game. I so don't that's, care. That's, that's, <laughs> Still, not, that's not the yeah. full Donovan Edwards. No, you're right. Because right. we saw yeah. against – so the UFR narrative for Donovan Edwards last year went from look at this cut Donovan Edwards isn't making mm-hmm. to look at this cut Donovan Edwards made. Yeah. And so going into last year, it's like this guy's fast, but he doesn't really seem like he knows what he's doing as a running back. There was actually a great video I posted in last year's season preview about a guy who broke down basically all his runs. And he said, like, yeah, he's fast, but he just puts his shoulder down and runs through people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember you would talk about that. Yeah. And he, he, he stopped doing that. And there were some issues early in the year where, like, his awareness wasn't on Quorum's level. And comparing anyone to Blake Quorum is <laughs> rough. Yeah. But there were cuts that I thought he should make that he wasn't making. And then by about midseason, it's like, okay, that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. There was a particular one against uh, – I think it was Nebraska. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up the Purdue one. The, I mean, the Purdue one was great, but I'm talking about like the kind of the turning point. Yeah. And the Nebraska one, he pulled a quorum where he he pressed the outside, and then like a flash, he was through the whole big chunk run. And I'm like, okay, he's putting it together. Mm-hmm. And then you know, as a receiver, we didn't even get to see it for yeah. half the year because he missed a couple games in the last four games. He had a broken hand. Right. And if you add that in. Because we've seen what the ha- what that looks like. Well, the catch against Rutgers, right? The catch against Rutgers. I mean, the, the catch in, I think, the opener against Colorado State where a linebacker goes with him and the whole stadium knows what's happening. Right. <laughs> and despite that, it still happens. And he's got superior body control as a receiver, great hands, super fast. Just a guy who I think could play in the NFL purely as a wide receiver. Yeah. Bring that. Outside, or, outside or the slot. 
Yeah. Marshall, and, Marshall Falk? I mean... Kind of? Kind of. So I feel like... I mean, these guys are one in three in Dane Brugler's running back draft rankings. Braylon <laughs> Allen is the only thing preventing Michigan from having the top two backs in the country. He almost came to Michigan. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the main questions here are not really about performance. They're about how do you maximize this? Because you can't, like, if you put them out there together, there's only two things that makes that more effective than having one of them out there together. One is one of those guys is an effective blocker, mm -hmm. probably quorum. Two is you're running triple option. Right. Which is tough, right? I mean – Yeah, and you do that with – you're going to want someone who's more of like a fullback dive kind of guy. I think, quorum can, I think quorum can be that. But so the, you can't run triple option like Nebraska run triple option. Yeah. But what you can do is you can run a zone read and then attach Edwards to it as a flare option. Yes, like, like use the orbit. Yeah, use the orbit. Like get him in a relationship where it's not a pitch relationship, it's a throw relationship because you don't want that to go backwards. Oh, the other thing you can do is have him be a slot and run like the, you know, Urban Meyer stuff all the time. Yeah, I mean, so he can be a slot and he can be Percy Harvin. And that's – but the unique ability to have two running backs out there and make your personnel wrong mm -hmm. no matter what you do, if he's in the slot – that's not happening. Right. I mean, you have mm. to bring him on an orbit motion or something like that to right. get him involved in the backfield. Yeah, but they do a lot of that. They do a lot of motion in and out of the backfield. Right. I mean, but part of what you're doing with Edwards all the time, one of the things they like to do with him is turn it into a five wide because mm -hmm. he lines up in the backfield and then he goes out there. You can't just have a linebacker follow him out wide. Yeah. Linebacker is not going to be able to play cornerback against that guy. You also can't just have a cornerback out there because he's a running back and he's huge. And now you have a wide receiver on a linebacker. So it just creates all sorts of matchup problems. I mean, one thing that I love the idea of is putting two tight ends out there, Barner and Loveland, mm -hmm. with Edwards and then going empty. Yeah. Because you got two tight ends out there. You should probably be in a 4-3. Mm-hmm. And then you split Loveland and Edwards out wide. Who who gets the linebacker? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And and then you have a quarterback that you can call QB draw if you want to. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, what 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 do you do against that? Yeah. So well, well that's what that's what the Big Twelve is right well, now. Well, there you <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah, someone ask Iowa State. So, yeah. Like the possibilities here between these two guys are endless, and I I'm hopeful that they can just do some things that most football teams just are completely incapable of dealing with. Um, best running back tandem in Michigan history is on the table here. No, I mean, there's only one other one, right? Well, you, you, Wheatley, Biakabatuka. Oh, and, and um, uh, Lytle Huckabee is and that. They're kind of similar players too. We're like, you have the you know the small guy who is just going to be thought, a Heisman candidate. I thought, and the other guy is kind you're of a the, receiver. You're the, you're the guy, though. Yeah, you didn't say Haskins Corum. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I did love that Haskins Corum yeah. combo. Yeah, and Charbonnet was on that team for a minute too. <laughs> well, not the twenty-one. Yeah, the year before. But anyway, yeah. um, so backups. Michigan has C.J. Stokes who had a pretty promising freshman year before he had a couple of air issues against Ohio State. Mm -hmm. True freshman, moment he, too big he for He fumbled him. and then got benched for like a month. Okay. 
but well, I mean, happened. so you didn't see it, like, right? Because like he he fumbles against Maryland, and then then he gets locked in a closet for three weeks, and then he, he makes yeah. an appearance a few games later. Yeah, I mean, and wh- when he was on the field, he looked pretty good. He just wasn't big enough yet, right? I mean, like that's well, the thing is, guys would hit him, and he'd get kind of wrecked. Well, I thought that he reminded me of Karan Higdon. Yeah, hmm. so a guy who likely to be a thousand yard back at some point. Uh, he was a UDFA after entering the draft early. Not a guy who's going to be a program changer or anything, but a good solid back. Um, <clears throat> then you have Kalel Mullings, who's finally a full-time running back. Uh, had one of the more infamous fumbles in Michigan history last year, but Quorum had one of the more infamous fumbles in Michigan history a couple years ago. That's right. Forgave, they, forgave him. They scored yeah. on the play before the Mullings fumble. That's anyway, true. So. Are we as enthusiastic, or are you as enthusiastic about Mullings as last year? I mean, uh, I think it's just going to be tough for him to get snaps. Punt returner. Because there's just, I mean, you're going to want to prep Stokes. Ben Hall came in, looked pretty good in the spring game. I mean, I think Orgy has a shot at having that short yardage role. So I just think that last year I was look, looking at this and being like, all right, we need a short yardage back. And now you have Blake Corum. And I would like to see him get snaps, especially early, just to kind of get him established as an option. Because especially in these first four games, you don't need to be running Blake Corum on third one. So when I did football bits last week, there was no third running back discussion, like at all, yeah. from the insiders. We started to get a little over the weekend. Um, out of all of these names, Ben Hall, Stokes, Mullings, Dunlap, which do you want to see be the number three back? Probably Hall, because a true freshman coming through and establishing himself as, as the number three back is more than it, Stokes. I think it's indicative of more upside. Probably, yeah. Hall's physical Mm -hmm. package, I think, is just going to be a step above. Because he's like 235 or something. He's a big guy. He doesn't look like it, but he's he's a hoss. And, you know, you go back and watch his spring game. It was even better than than you thought. He had a couple like those quorum runs where he just, like, he should be down now. And then he's, you know, just muscling guys for a couple more yards. And um, there were, like, subtle shifts in the way he moved his body that like created a bad tackle angle and like that's he, he might like, I, I remember we were ripping on Mike uh, on Mike Hart for some of his you know we weren't doing it okay people on the on three he, message board yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the, the certain, I, I said, certain recruiting I, reporters I said, not to be named. yeah I said we to try to kind of like put it on all of yeah, no, fans no 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 but it wasn't I'm, no, no, I'm no, setting it my was, it was certain I'm gonna set my piece of that down yeah no it was certain people but uh, certain people were ripping on Mike Hart's coaching and I, I think Ben Hall is a find I think what he did with Donovan Edwards um, I think that was coaching I mean that, I think that's a really good point hmm. Because we were just talking about how Donovan Roberts doesn't really look like a dynamic running back as a freshman, and he sure as hell did by the end of last year. Yeah. So, I mean, and if there's anyone in the world I want to coach my running backs to figure out how to ghost people, it's Mike Hart. Mm-hmm. So, you just want someone else to recruit. I want. I just want to stay for the record. That there has never been any Mike Hart slander on my blog. Ever. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Except in, like, the comment section. But, like, no, nobody who posted on the front page is allowed <laughs> to slander no, no, Mike nobody, Hart. Nobody rips Mike Hart. Period. Yeah. <laughs> um, Does Tavi or Dunlap make it through the year on the roster? Shoot. Yeah, he makes it through the year, but... And there's no reason to like get rid of the guy now, but I just don't think. He's, well, yeah. but I, but he means more like would he would he fail if he's not go. playing? Yeah, 
I mean, I think it's pretty clear at this point that he's not going to be a feature back at Michigan. I mean, they, so. they tried him in the Illinois game. We just rewatched that. I mean, you, they tried to put him on the field, and it was just like, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. And it, was, it was his freshman year, too. You never know. No, he was a sophomore. He was a sophomore that year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's his later. Like, also, he's yeah. not. He was the, supposed to be Edwards Thunder in that class. Yeah. Yeah, they do have to figure out what to do with Cole Cabana this year because that's the guy you kind of have to play right away. Do you? Uh, he, well, I. I kick returner. No, he's, orgy. I think he's still banged up, <laughs> have two right? two kick returners. I thought, he was, I thought he was back for fall, but you haven't heard anything about he, him since. I haven't heard anything. Yeah. yeah he had, he had an injury in the spring, and I haven't heard anything oh. in fall. I, I would so. be shocked if he didn't redshirt. Interesting. But you could still play if he's healthy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind using him. Yeah, but he, okay. You got you have the two superstars. You got Stokes. You got Hall. You got Mullings. You have Orgy for some short yard stuff. Why on earth are we burning a red shirt for this? But guy? you're not. He gets four games. Yeah, he'll play in four games. Yeah, I I think if the the argument is that he's the only other guy with like the Edwards skill set that if you're if you have an Edwards role. And that becomes like a focal point of your offense with Quorum out there too. Then Cabana's the other guy with like Edwards like skills. What about making him our new Eddie McDoom? What does that mean? Remember how Eddie McDoom would do that like one end around per game? Oh, every uh, game? That's like no, we, there's always a designated yeah. end around guy. Yeah. Uh, since Calvin Bell. But like <laughs> Calvin Bell. Let's be serious. If the designated end around guy isn't right? Donovan Edwards, something is terribly wrong. I mean Samaj Morgan looked pretty good at it in the spring game. Yeah, but I know. yeah. But, but like, yeah. But Henning this, left this, because he's like, You guys are gonna give this job to Edwards. Well, but this this is a situation where like usually you have that guy because he can't do anything else. Like Matty McDoom couldn't do anything else. Yep. AJ Henning couldn't do anything else. Donovan Edwards can do a lot of stuff. So sure. he's a much better end around threat. Right. So, I mean, I feel like... Because that was, yeah, when McDoon came on the field, it was like, uh-oh, oh, uh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> we know it's coming. Someone get the backside. I, I like how, the, like, different generations of Michigan fans have, like, different names for the designated end-around guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Calvin Bell is also mine. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure, like, older guys have, like, somebody... Oh, actually, it was, uh, it was Campbell. Camp like soup the uh, Eric Campbell who became like the coach for our generation. Yeah, I think he was like the designated end around guy like for that generation. I think this qualifies as in the weeds. This <laughs> This is what people uh, come for. No, <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> Sam Gandhi and, and weeds. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like the backup running back situation is you want Ben Hall to take that job because. Khalil Mullings is 240 pounds, and he looks like a linebacker. He, lo- he looks like... Well, he was. I know, but he physically, yeah. he's really brought up top. He's he's a guy who has surprising ability to move for a guy his size. Ben Hall is about the same size and doesn't look like it at all because he's one of those guys who's just got tree trunks in his lower half. And that's a guy who I think is really well suited to be a running back physically. So he's he's my guy if you want a third running back that I'm hoping for. It'll probably be Stokes, but Hall should have a role. I, I'm guessing I, – I think it's Mullings. Like, that was the guy who got the most uh, run in the spring game. He's a guy that the program obviously believed in. I think the fumble is not fair on him because he was lined up as a fullback in that. It was a fullback dive. And that play was one that fullbacks have told me is really hard because the quarterback snaps it and it's in your chest immediately. And, like, they practice it a gazillion times. Specifically, so you don't fumble it. Right. On the he obviously exchange. didn't practice it a gazillion times. Right, because he was a linebacker last year, yeah. and they needed him to be a linebacker. And we'll get to the linebackers in the next podcast. But that's if 
Mullings gets to be a running back all the time and practice those things. He also has shown us some things to be pretty good at it. Yeah, I, I think he's he's a quality option. I, I do hope he emerges. He's been waiting his turn. The little buzz we got is decently optimistic for Hall and sounded like Mullings has been a little bumpy in fall camp. So we'll see yeah. if that continues and what goes from there. But All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and talk about the receiver guys. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog today. Hey, so I have, like, insurance and stuff, but I don't really, like, know what's going on with it. Yeah, it, your your coverage probably sucks, and you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because I had a guy, uh, he's a, uh, his name's Phil Klein, he's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance, and he was like, yeah, your coverage sucks, and you're paying a lot more than you need to for it. I also, like, I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, and I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads MGO blog? Well, how would I do that? <laughs> they have a website. They have one of those too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together and you will save money on your insurance and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto and they do life too. All right. So you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein insurance, this, this website will come up. Yes. Wonders never cease. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. 
John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. receiver has been kind of a point of concern, I guess, over the offseason for Michigan fans. Uh, we talked in the previous segment about Michigan's contested catches uh, stat, which is pretty pretty rough. But the flip side of that is that they returned two senior wide receivers, and the Athletics' Dane Brugler ranks them 12th and 18th for senior eligible NFL draft wide receivers. Who is, who is higher? Higher? Yeah. Who is 12? Uh, Johnson. Okay, yeah. I would have to say probably. And uh, 23 of those guys got drafted in the last draft I checked. So we're talking about two draftable senior-wide receivers as the problem mm-hmm. on offense. So, so That's we, a good situation I, to be and, in. And here's, and keep in mind, the contested catch rate, we mentioned that part of it is just not – there's just not enough trials. Yeah. And one of the reasons there's not enough trials is because these guys get – open so it, there isn't somebody to contest it because Roman Wilson even if the safeties don't bite on play action he runs right by them he ran he ran right by an Iowa guy who lined up at 11 yards and was backpedaling on the snap yeah <laughs> and was it was a Cooper Cooper DeGene no he's okay. a corner uh it would not I mean DeGene. oh was it the guy from Belleville I don't remember yeah anyway he's an NPC in my world yeah <laughs> So, the situation here is not bad. And the only reason we're like, oh, I'm a little worried about this, is there literally nothing else to worry about on offense. I think the bigger worry is about depth than it is. That is a concern. Mm -hmm. Whether the starters. Would you want Ronnie Bell on this team? Well, yeah. So, you would – because so (laughs) – well, no, no, no. That's kind of – I mean, what kind of (laughs) question? Well, because he's going to take up snaps. And if you're trying to find, like, an opening for a Tyler Morris or a Darius Clemens or you want to use Loveland in in some of those roles or things like that, like, part of what we ended up talking about last year was Michigan's receivers were kind of what they were. I mean – Are we kind of ready to move on to other options? I believe in meritocracy. Like if we're bringing Ronnie Bell in, all became became Fox Nation all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> if we're bringing Ronnie Bell in, but like it's like oh he has to start every game, then like right. But like if we're putting him on the roster, but with the caveat that if Tyler Morris is better than Tyler Morris plays, then this isn't a question. Well, I think I think the question is like, would I want Ronnie Bell to get 
the same number of targets he got last year right. at the expense of other players? And that answer is no. That's kind of where I was going yeah. with this. Um, so one thing about the wide receiver depth is that when you have Colson Loveland and Donovan Edwards, you don't need a whole lot of playable wide receivers. Yep. Um, but the depth is an issue. But l- first, let's talk about the guys who are going to start. Uh, Cornelius Johnson comes back for, I believe, his fifth year. Um, I was really high on him preseason. He's an athletic guy. Uh, had those two touchdowns against Ohio State that were obviously massive. That was his game, his moment. Like that's when you're talking about Michigan players, especially wide receivers. A lot of them have like we have the Braylon Fest game. Like yeah. he did a lot of things, but we associate that game. That game will always be the Calvin Johnson game. Uh, not quite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, for for him, you said Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson game. <laughs> He Which would be like, nice. He looked like Calvin Johnson. Which would be nice. Uh, Cornelius Johnson. Cornelius Johnson. And I, they keep on calling him Corny on, on the like, – I wish they would – I don't the, the, think I can do that. Away. I try to just yeah. say CJ. Yeah. That's, that, that's like his hockey nickname. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They, someone's got to send a message to Fox like this. But the thing about Johnson is like I, I think that there's an athletic package there that could lead him to be much more productive than he's been. But we just haven't seen it yet. And I don't know – at this point, if we're going to, it's just hard to project because someone with his size and athletic ability, you would expect would be a contested catch option. But it just doesn't seem like Michigan trusts or even wants to run that stuff. He drops a ball once per game and then like and then he's fine afterwards. But he'll drop like an, an easy crosser once a game or like if someone's on his back, he drops one. And it's just like it, that's what's frustrating about him. He's a way better route runner than we use. Well, ever. There, I, there was a moment when he was a sophomore when he was just – I think he was playing Taiwan Mullen. We were playing Indiana, but they had excellent corners. That was mm-hmm. 2020, the COVID year? No, it was the year after. So he had been a junior. A junior. No, 2020 um, was fake. Well, 20, sure. 2020 didn't. But exist. they also played Indiana and he did things on the field. But there was a, there was a moment there where he looked like he was a route artisan, as we, as we said. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and we really just haven't necessarily seen that from him since. And I don't know if that's the structure of the offense. I think he only got like 32 targets last year. And they they don't do two-way goes with him, which is awful because like that's that's what he'd be really good at. Because he's a, you know he's an, a senior. He's a guy who's been on the program for program for a long time. He knows what defensive backs do, and when he can look a guy off and go a different direction, so. They, I think Ronnie Bell was the guy in the offense last year who, if they were going to design a two-way go, yeah. he was he was the one who got the option routes. And maybe Cornelius Johnson gets to be that. I, I'm guessing it's not going to be him. I guess it could be Wilson. But that would be something he would be good at. I just, they have not used that skill at all. Yeah. I mean, I still think that there's a chance that he has a breakout season, at least in terms of efficiency. There's just not going to be enough targets to go around for him to like have a 900-yard season. But I do think that there is possibility that, you know, J.J. gets a little more locked in. He gets a little incrementally better. And those passes downfield that were off by a yard or two last year are just lethal. Yeah. It's also about how you play Michigan. Teams are going to zone up a lot more, so he doesn't really have the opportunity. Like, if you have a cornerback who's sitting on you at 10 yards and you are just lethal outside and you're lethal down the field, um, in our offense, that would be – what he would do. You have that two-way go on that thing. But teams take that away because you don't play Michigan to leave that available. So you, you know, you're going to zone up. You're going to try to 
you know, bring guys down the middle and you don't have a whole lot of, I don't know, we don't play the game in that part of the field. And that's why we don't see contested catch opportunities because what you get on the fade version of that is the receiver tries to beat him down the field and then you throw the ball up and he's got to go up and get it. Well, I mean, I thought that was just a philosophical decision that Michigan had made is that we're not going to play arm punt. Uh Uh-huh. That's just not something we want to do. And then Colson Loveland in that Purdue game was like, okay, arm pump ball. Yeah. So I just I just feel like they, they've done it in practice a bunch, and it's just not something he's good at. Yeah. Um, moving on to Roman Wilson, who will stay in the slot this year. And Roman Wilson, he's a one-trick pony, but it's a nice trick. He's a legit 4-3 <laughs> guy. You so, don't think he was better? What do you mean better? Like one-trick pony. Like He seemed like a decent wide receiver. They I mean, he's did, a, he's they a did decent wide receiver, things. but what – but what his whole game is just he's fast as hell. And when he gets open in his other routes, there's this great uh, two-play sequence against Maryland where he runs a slot fade against uh, the safety. Who gets beat over the top? It's incomplete. But then <clears throat> they come back to it later. He runs a slot fade. The safety is like, all right, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to <laughs> And he just stops. Yeah. And he's open by 10 yards. And that's entirely because the fear of God was put into that safety. Now, J.J. didn't find him, uh, but I think with Ronnie Bell gone and Roman Wilson having this capability to get guys way off of him, I think his production might shoot up. Because of all the guys on the team, Roman Wilson is going to be the most open the most often. Yeah, and that that is the guy who works best with the structure of their passing game because what they're going to – they take that step outside like you're going to throw a fade and then he starts running a drag inside. And you get man on that, it's just a speed race. And that was – you know, Ohio State used to kill people doing that with like Paris Campbell and whatnot. And like that's going to be his game. Ronnie Bell got all of those opportunities last year. Well, and th- he if you hesitate for one moment, if there's play action, if you're caught a little flat-footed, he will be over the top of you. Yep. And I didn't mean to like diss his route running. I'm not. I wasn't trying to like uh, criticize the guy. Um, but there was the Cornelius touchdown, Johnson touchdown against Ohio State. The first one, he, he had the better route on that because yeah. <laughs> he had a guy lined up in man guns and he puts him on the ground and he puts his hand up in the air. <laughs> and when the ball goes to Johnson, he like hops up in frustration. Yeah. He he's got a YouTube channel where he actually talked about that play. He's just like, dude, and he like. Rewinds and he's like, watch this guy. <laughs> he's like hosting his own film breakdown? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he, he did one on the, the TCU touchdown, too, that the guy got wiped. And he's just like, watch my butt. Just watch. Just watch. He, he's he, it's, it's a good YouTube channel. I recommend it. All right. Yeah. In my review of the tape from last year, I came away a lot more impressed with Roman Wilson than I was, like, my memory was okay. of it. Like, I thought... He popped on tape more than, like, Cornelius Johnson did. I thought he popped up in more games, had more moments. In particular, remember that screen he took to the house in the first game against Colorado State? Yes. Like, I wouldn't mind trying that out a little bit more. Get him in space, get the ball, and just let him run. So, he's really fast, and he's got a great, like, three-cone drill time. Mm -hmm. But he's not very jittery. No. Like, he doesn't have any of that quorum stuff where he can just ghost people in short spaces. Sure. But if you get him a block in space, yeah. he can turn, you know, it into a house call that other people can't. Yeah. So, but I, I think I would like to see a little bit more of that. But it's a situation where if you are prepared for it and you get a blocker, I mean, you get a defender to him, it's probably not going to be 
a play that he's able to rescue. Sure. So I, I think it's something that I want to see once or twice a game, but not consistently enough that a, a defense can expect it. Because yeah. the reason he's not the punt returner, right? But people are going to be off him. And well, so he's going to be able to win races on angles that are going to get you an extra four, eight yards, depending on the depth of the corner. Maybe. Uh, it's a possibility. I mean, with those bubble screens, usually the cornerback will be coming up to – the outside receiver will be trying to block the cornerback. And if that block gets defeated, then I don't know if Roman Wilson is the guy who's going to get five yards out of that anyway. And the the opportunity, like once his speed really matters in that situation, it's not like most guys are actually going to score at that point anyway. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think that those those early bubble screens, he hit the Jets and it felt a little bit like Denard. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like why Ohio State's offense so dangerous in a lot of ways is that everyone can take it to the house like at yeah. any time, right? Like if it's a guy in Iowa doing that, you chase him down after 15 yards. But right. when you have that speed, like one missed tackle and it's over. I just remember Amar Darbo was like incredibly effective at that like smoke screen. And because, and that's a, that's a different skill than what Roman Wilson has. What Roman Wilson has is you have to play 12 yards off of him, yeah. right? No matter where he is. So if he stops, right? Where are you? Yeah. And yeah, that's, and that should create all sorts of space to throw to him. And I think that Ronnie Bell, probably um, took a lot of usage away from what Roman Wilson yeah, was able to do. Yeah, and I don't want to dump on Ronnie Bell, but I I am excited to see those targets move to Roman Wilson. Well, and, and the Illinois game, and we just rewatched this, this is partially why I remember, but they brought him in, it was a, was it the, it was a fourth down out, right? Where they, they bring him uh, in motion, yeah. and the, his, his cover guy has to go deep around the safety, and it's fourth and four, and so he just is running sideways, ball snap, cuts up field, takes a quick cut out for four yards. And, I mean, no one's beating him in that race. Yeah. So that is there whenever you want it. The other thing that – I don't know if you're, everyone's memory goes back this far to 2020, but in the Minnesota game, um, they had fake. this thing – Fake season. Yeah, in the fake season. Yeah, so anyway, they had the thing going with Joe Milton in the Minnesota game where Roman Wilson just started running underneath the coverage. As soon as he starts putting his foot in the ground and going up, the cornerback is like – uh oh, and starts bailing, and then he just the quarterback would just chuck it as hard as he can, and you know he he Roman Wilson went up and got a couple of those. You can't do that with Cade, so that wasn't in the offense during Cade. But I mean JJ's got that arm, maybe not to the degree of Joe Milton, where it just <laughs> I don't know if anybody in the history of football is yeah, right. Jamarcus Russell, right? But it's it's still John good Elway, enough to make that work. Um, so that would be something they could explore again using Roman Wilson. And again, it's just using that space that you have that you get because you do not want to get beat. But yeah. yeah. The other outside receiver looks like it will be Tyler Morris, who's a sophomore. The interesting thing about Tyler Morris is that he goes way back with J.J. McCarthy. Uh, and there's a quote from uh, McCarthy this offseason where he's just like, yeah, it's telepathic, man. I just know where he's going to be every time. Did you see the quote in Football Bits about that? Uh, no. He said that at uh, Nazareth, J.J. was Mufasa and oh, Tyler Morris yes, was yeah. Simba, I think, or maybe it was the other it way was, around. It's like the most J.J. McCarthy thing. <laughs> what? Like, he's just a golden retriever of a man. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so like that put me in mind of Jeremy Gallon and Devin Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I thought it was interesting in the Rutgers game. They're actually trailing – 
It's 14 to 17 Rutgers in the third quarter, mm-hmm. which is hard to remember. Um, but it's like a third and nine. They're approaching the red zone, and the guy they throw it to is Tyler Morris. Yep. Yeah. And that was like a real breath of fresh air because that whole like first half, we're like, ah, receivers. Yeah. They're all bums. Get them off the field. And then Tyler Morris comes in and we're like, oh. Makes a play on third yeah, and eight. Look at yeah. that. Nice yeah. little route. The hey. funny thing is, is going through the season, that would be one of the things in my takeaways is like, he played a lot more than I remember him playing. Yeah. Like he just not consistently, but he pops up in a route here, or pops up on a play. And, and I mean, he was open for that first down in the TCU game that uh, McCarthy throws the pick first pick six where yeah. he has like the hook route on the left side. And you're like, oh, there he is. And he throws the other side. So he's he found him. I, I found it interesting how much he was actually on the field. This is like a Michigan tradition with freshman receivers where like you're like, did that guy red shirt? And then like you go back and look and he it's played like, 10 games. Oh, he played. A, and, yeah. But. <laughs> Had a bunch of routes too, not just like yeah, standing there he wasn't blocking. Just blocking, right? Right. He wasn't. He wasn't having the uh, Adrian Arrington freshman season, <laughs> right? Where I think the guy was like, "I am never going to run a route in my whole life." <laughs> uh, but he's a guy that I was super excited about as a recruit too. Like when I was going, because he's he was tracking towards like top fifty, like just below the five star line. And they got hurt, and then he got hurt, and so you know he falls back because everybody else is passing him that year. But like that was a. He was, I think I was, I was calling him Golden Tate because he had that ability to just like slip a tackle and make something even after running like this gorgeous route. Well, so in the preview last year, I didn't mention him until after Amorian Walker and Darius Clemens because he was hurt. Yeah. And nobody was talking about him. And then by midseason, it's very clear that he has passed those two guys. Yeah. And I think that's a really good sign for him. Again, given the panoply of targets that Michigan has this year. I don't know if you're going to have a breakout season for him, but I'm very comfortable with him as a starter. He's the object of a lot of hype right now in fall camp. Yeah. And yeah, they, I mean, they're mentioning him. You would think that right now they would talk about Johnson and uh, Wilson and then nah. kind of move on to the next guys. They are talking about him in the same breath they f- as the two seniors. They frequently just take guys for granted. Mm-hmm. Like if like nobody's gonna be like oh yeah Zach Sinter's playing well, like, right? <laughs> no, but I'm saying like they're always like oh yeah like Johnson and Wilson are coming back and they are they are leaders. They're saying okay we really like our starting three right now. We got Johnson in there. We got Morris in there. We got and you're like Morris. Wait wait did he, he like he said Morris and that that group not in the other group. That's true. He's he's like a he's a, a nailed on starter right now. Yeah. Yep. Which I think is is. A pretty good sign for him. Now, the only concerning thing is that he's a nailed-on starter right now, and the only scholarship non-true freshman he's beating out is Darius Clemens. So, and he's the guy that you're kind of like, I wouldn't mind seeing him take a step forward. Uh, he's got Braylon Edwards upside, right? Well, mm-hmm. he's just a different sort of build and yeah. receiver than anyone else on the roster. Yeah. So he's a you, know, you can kind of interchange other guys for certain things. You can't bring in a different. Darius Clemens, because no, he's I, the only one that's there. I mean, he had that spectacular layout catch in the spring game last yeah. year. After they were like trying, they spent half the spring game trying to show us, like, <laughs> <laughs> look what we got. <laughs> they were throwing balls at him all over the place, and uh, yeah, they, they. I mean, he's banged up right now. I think is why we're yeah. not getting anything. Okay. Um, but there is, you know, there has been a little the the rapidity with which Morris passed him. Well, I mean, Morris is always going to like he's got the, c- the connection with JJ, right? I mean, he's much more technical. I mean, like he's just 
he's just one of those guys who pops early. Yeah. And Clemens was just raw athlete who just needed time. Yeah. And sometimes those guys turn into Daryl Stoneham, but sometimes they turn into Braylon Edwards. So like, and they were really excited about him last year. Like they wanted yeah. to get him on the field. They wanted to like show him off. They're excited about what they got there. I think it's probably another year away before we see. Yeah, but it's, there's yeah. going to be like a 70-yard. You need to see Davis some Warren signs. Right. Darius <laughs> Clemens touchdown yeah. at some point this year. Uh, the other main option on the outside is Peyton O'Leary. Cooper Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a that is a, a thing that Harbaugh said about Peyton O'Leary. <laughs> he, he gave Amorian Walker the absolute business in the spring game. Uh-huh. And a couple of those were legitimate eye-opening passes. There is a sort of a back foot heave from Davis Warren that turns into a back shoulder that he comes back and gets. Mm-hmm. There's the two-point conversion where yeah. he beats uh, Walker in a tight space. And Walker's obviously a, like a baby fawn of a defensive back right now. Right. But the things we saw from Peyton O'Leary, I think, are indicative that he is a real option and will get catches this year. Walker was actually in position to intercept one of those, and Leary just O'Leary just plucked it out of his right. hands. And I mean that, uh, you know, Keon Coleman did that for Michigan State last year. Like sometimes a guy can just do that and tip your hat, right? Like, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things. If there's a walk-on and people start talking about him the year before, it's possible he might be needed. That's legit. Right. And people mm-hmm. were talking about Peyton O'Leary last year. Yeah. We, you made fun of Sam when he brought him up, I think, last year. You're like, I why did. are you talking about this <laughs> work? And I feel bad about that. But in the context of this conversation, right. it's a good sign for Peyton O'Leary's viability as a wide receiver. And I think that... This time next year, we will not be thinking about him as Peyton O'Leary, the walk-on. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about him as Peyton O'Leary, the pretty decent receiver who who might start. Or at least contribute. Contribute, yeah. Uh, and then behind O'Leary, it's just three freshmen, all of whom are... Am I going to talk about Christian Dixon? <laughs> I forgot about Christian Dixon. <laughs> you want to know what's in my notes about him? <laughs> yeah, We sure. would love to know. It's one it. word in the punctuation. Alive, oh. question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, God. That's accurate but cruel. <laughs> so, yeah, Dixon, nobody's talking about Dixon. So, people are talking about Samaj Morgan uh, as a guy who might play this year. And we were talking about backup for Edwards mm-hmm. in the Percy Harvin role. Samaj Morgan might yeah. be it. Yeah, and he's a guy who people who watched West Bloomfield last year were mad that West Bloomfield didn't use him enough. Right. And, yeah, I mean, Great athlete, makes contested catches. Uh, there's there's a little bit more to Samaj Morgan than people realize because he was just like he, – he, he was so easy, right? He committed to Michigan. I think he was the second commit in the class and then was just, you know, doing his thing at West Bloomfield. No one really paid attention. He's pretty much a slot, right? He's a he's slot. He's 5'10". Yeah. Because yeah. he's small and – but he's super fast. He's – yeah, he's – you know, I, I – A.J. Henning was ranked a lot higher, but I – Basically, see them as the same recruit. Okay. Yeah. So we don't really need to get into Carmelo English or uh, Freddie Moore. Fred, Fred Moore. Moore. Craig, he's Moore's gotten some decent buzz in fall yeah. camp. Craig Does really like that. I made some but like catches not, no, in the spring game too. But, but like, not like plays in meaningful. No, this no, year. no, no. But I mean, he's a guy who could be like your Tyler Morris next year. Sure. We're like, hey, this, we were hearing about this guy last year, and like, you know, he'll get in and make a third and eight catch and be like, oh, Freddie Moore. All right. 
Uh, tight end, Colson Loveland is the headliner. I don't know if I have ever seen the entirety of people paying attention to Michigan football so certain that a guy with his level of contribution so far is going to be an All-American. Well, this program has seen some tight ends. They have a basis of comparison. They've turned – Harbaugh has turned A.J. Williams into a contributor. Remember, you were bagging on A.J. Williams throughout the Hoke era. Yes. It was more His about first, the usage of A.J. Williams. Well, but he, we didn't, he couldn't really do a whole lot. And then the first year – To be perfectly <laughs> honest, it took me a while to figure out who you were talking about. <laughs> He was the guy that they sat next to Taylor Warren, like, here, help him block. And we're like, what, what am, what's he doing on the field? But then 2015, and you're like, whoa, he actually became a contributor. Well, the thing is, this is what Michigan does with tight ends. This is, this is more important to the Max Bredesen conversation. Is that than- <laughs> Jim Harbaugh can go into the farthest reaches of the Malaysian jungle and find an ice cream merchant. And he'll be like, you're a tight end now, and that guy will get drafted. Well, if, if he's selling ice cream in the jungle, he's got something figured out. <laughs> I mean, and so... Schoonmaker was a quarterback and so, you know, gentry. Yeah, so yeah. give... What happens if you give Jim Harbaugh Colston freaking Lovely? <laughs> right. Like, come on, man. The interesting I mean, thing about Loveland from last year is those first seven, eight games, he didn't play like at all. No, right. like he was occasionally he was a true a, freshman tight yeah. end who was converted from but a that's receiver the thing, is like, in Idaho. We're, we're now at this point where it's like, you know, this is the guy, right? But you go back to mid last season, we weren't talking about him at all. Like, no, my but, point is that how little we've actually seen of him. Yeah, but at, even the like sometimes you just know. Even early on in the year, there were like whispers. Denard, Denard fumbles the ball, he picks it up, he runs for a touchdown to get Western Michigan, and you're like, new paradigm, <laughs> and. I was going over the UFRs for the season preview. I don't remember which one it was. It might have been Nebraska or some some game relatively close to Ohio State game. I said, Colson Loveland is going to make a critical catch in the Ohio State game. Ding, hmm. ding. Um, <laughs> but it was just obvious. He, like he had, he had like made four catches in his career and you're just like this guy. And uh, M. Victor's posted this on Twitter. It's a clip of Rick Pizzo, who's one of the BTN guys. And he was talking about Michigan. He's like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a team this good on our tour. And then he said, Colston Loveland is going to be an NFL All-Pro tight end. Mm-hmm. And well, he definitely has that upside. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't get his knee Jake butted, I think that's almost inevitable. Yeah, because that contested catch against Purdue is a paradigm shifter. You don't even try that unless you're unless you've seen it happen. That looked. And easy. it was yeah. That looks stupid <laughs> easy. Well, when you can do that, and then you can run the route that gets you open in the Ohio State game. I mean, what are you just, do? there's just too many things. And his his blocking, let's be honest, was a work in progress. But he was also a true freshman converted wide receiver from Idaho. There's still a lot of upside to and, explore there. And it, and the, I honestly don't care if he can block. It came. No, no, no. It was coming around. His I got some good blocking charting for him in the in the TCU game. Do you remember? All right, so we talked about the the Campbell versus Corum play, and the reason why there was so much room there is because Schoonmaker locked on to some dude and just like walked him out of the play. Okay, yeah. and I saw the the pinwheel touchdown when Roman Wilson took the end around and pinwheeled into the end zone. The reason why there was all that space for him to run was because Loveland locked on to a dude and just escorted him out of the play. Okay. And that was like the first time, you know, 
his athleticism is there. And this is a guy who was a wide receiver in Idaho two years ago. We've already said that like four times. <laughs> I'm going to say it three more times before the end of the segment. He was a wide receiver in Idaho two years ago. What okay. state? <laughs> Idaho. Okay. They make potatoes there. They and make he, them. And he was a wide receiver there <laughs> in Idaho. A little potato factory Where they make potatoes. Idaho. Yeah. They get the chips from Taiwan and it, they, they make the potatoes. His town actually made American cheese, but like it was, it's still the same. He was from like a tiny town too. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't even from like boys. Yeah. Bumble nowhere. Yeah. Gooding, Idaho. Gooding. Gooding, Idaho. So. Cheese capital of Idaho, where uh, Colson Loveland was a wide receiver two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) He's like one of those toys you just wind up and it goes again. (laughs) Or the the monkey that claps hands. (laughs) I think I got my four in, right? Yes. (laughs) All right. Let's actually talk about his role on a football field. So. I have always envied Notre Dame's infinite parade of tight ends who are maniacal robots. You can just line up outside and they're just bonus wide receivers. That's that guy. So you bring him in and you put him in line and you're like, oh, he's a tight end. And then you move him outside and it's like, oh, uh uh-oh. So do you think Colson Loveland leads Michigan in targets this year? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm – Targets? Targets. I don't know. The, the weird thing about that is, like, is their real offense going to be on the field for the second half of a lot of games? So you're you're banking on Samash Morgan leading Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> That's highly <laughs> optimistic. But I like say, it. I'm saying that it's like it's like betting on the person who has a 12% chance to win because it's higher than everybody else. Sure. sure. That's fair, too. Alex? Uh, I'll say no. All right. I got Roman Wilson, but I think it's going to be close. Uh, I, Roman Wilson could because he's going to get those drag routes, so he's going to get like the Riley well, yeah. Bell opportunities. But uh, Michigan, I mean, Jake Butt led the team in targets in 2015 and 2000. Was it in Did he do it back well. back years? I think I think he did. I got to go back mm-hmm. and check. I think Darbo was uh, and Darbo and Chesson kind of like cannibalized weeds, each weeds, other. Weeds, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we we touched on this with Donovan Edwards, but like if Colson Loveland comes on the field. He's going to be on the field. Yeah. If you put a linebacker out there, he can probably defeat Colson Loveland one on one on a block. Maybe. Mm-hmm. It'll be it'll be competitive. You then split him Colson Loveland out wide. You got a problem. Linebackers not covering him. You put a safety out there. I think Colson Loveland can beat up on a safety most of the time. So he's just a walking mismatch, and you're going to be able to do some crazy things with him. And then the other thing is that late in the year, there's a. Third down conversion, actually it wasn't a conversion against Illinois, <laughs> where Hibner is wide open. Mm-hmm. He's wide open on a crossing route. It doesn't matter. JJ tries to hit Colston Loveland, and it like goes through his hands because th- there's a defender there who like knocks it out. He looks like he might be the safety blanket hmm. going forward. And like last year it was Ronnie Bell, and this year is it going to be CJ? Probably not. Is it going to be Wilson? That's a decent option. Is it going to be Tyler Morris? Maybe. But just in terms of, like, what's going to happen on third and six, I think you're going to see a lot of throws in the butt zone to uh, and Colson Loveland. I think so, and I think also just the way the defenses are going to approach Michigan, What you, you, have, to, you have to give them something, right? You're, you can't let Corum do whatever he wants. You can't just let the offensive line do whatever they want. You can't let J.J. go wherever he wants. So if you're going to put the ball – to somebody underneath somewhere. Loveland has not been a tackle breaker yet. And that's like, 
uh, you know, as far I'm not calling it a weakness in his game. Got to be like close to him to tackle. I, yeah, but, <laughs> but I mean, the point is like he's he'll make that contested catch, and then he, and then the play is down a few yards past that, as opposed to some of the other guys who are going to juke you, and then it's six points. Well, he is a tight end; like he has other assets. Yeah, and there's. There was a quote about him coming out of uh, uh, practices where they're just talking about how he's making all these contested catches. Mm-hmm. And that was the big hole in last year's wide receiving core. So if you've got that guy now, I mean, you got this. Every play in the playbook is available between all the guys Michigan has. And this program does love its tight ends. And they love going way deep in the playbook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Schoonmaker – oh, no, it was Bell that let him in targets. Because Schoonmaker was right there, too. And uh, so well, Schoonmaker... whoever the number one tight end is is probably going to be right. Well, Schoonmaker wasn't the number one tight end the whole year because all was – Oh, for the first one. few games, yeah. yeah. He got hurt. Yeah, and, and also – at the end of the season, Schoonmaker wasn't the number one tight end either. He got hurt then in yeah. games two. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just am dead certain that Colson Loveland is going to be the best tight end in the Big Ten and second to blow to the Georgia K. Yeah. You mean this Bowers, year? This Bowers. Year. Yeah. He's. There's, there's he, no question. Yeah. If Bowers had not existed and been, and like. Being like the greatest tight end to ever step foot, foot on a football field one year before Loveland. Yeah. We would. Be like using superlatives for Loveland for that. Yeah. So, I mean, I just uh, does anyone have any question about this? Like, is there any doubt in anyone's mind? Not really. Okay. The only thing is just like, how often are they actually going to throw the ball? Which could be a lot, the, but we don't know. The blocking component is is a thing because Michigan sure. does love to run pin and pull, and the tight end's job is to go and seal in the seal inside. So, you know, if he's we haven't really seen him. Do that against elite linebackers. There's not a whole lot of elite linebackers on the schedule. Well, I mean, but <laughs> there was a qualitative difference between what Eric All was doing as a freshman as a blocker and what Colson Loveland was doing. Yeah. Like, All was very aggressive and really seemed like he had a lot of upside. Loveland was definitely in the gets in the way yeah. genre. Yeah. Now, that was also Jake Butts blocking. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's going to be good enough. He added like five pounds this offseason. He's 250 pounds. If he has one more pound, I will call it a crime against nature and God. <laughs> All right? He's, he's done gaining he's, weight. He is. Uh, no, Michigan finds a place to you put. Can, you can refine him. Michigan finds places to had, put weight without the changing the player. If have a plus next to his weight next year, I'm coming after you said this about. <laughs> you said this about Blake Corum. And, now you, no. and then you had to take it back. All right. <laughs> no. He's done. No more weight. He's, he'll be too. All weight next loss year. and gain is good, except for Colson Loveland, who is perfect right now and should never change at all. Uh, backing him up is AJ Barner, the Indiana transfer, who got like 18 catches last year in the disaster that was their offense. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that Michigan looked at this guy and they're like, okay, he's functional. He's vaguely draftable. He's probably a UDFA. I think he's better than that, honestly. Really? I think people like him. Indi- so. Talk about people who were, like, not done any favors by Indiana's offense. Cause Everybody on the offense. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, they were running Walt Bell stuff. So what is his job is to, like, split out wide and then block for the wide receivers. Like, sure. he, got, he got nothing. And he had a contested catch against Ohio State, which looked – like, look, it looks Lovelandian. Lovelandian? Lovelandian. Yeah. And – that was a... It's a good adjective. Yeah. And, and he's 260, so, like, they're going to get some... 
oomph out of him. And he has a lot of experience blocking in space, which nobody notices on an Indiana offense because they're just throwing sideways, right? I mean, really, I just want him to be a good inline blocker. Like, that's all I, That's all we need from, from Barner. And then, like, you got to cover him downfield. He's not A.J. Williams. <laughs> no, but I think he's going to be Schoonmaker, and I didn't think he was going to be You think he's going to be Schoonmaker? I, he's, I, so he's not that old, and that's, like, a big part of this equation. He was a 2020 recruit. He spent three years at Indiana. 2020, he was redshirted. So, he, he's, so he's got two left. Two years. Yes, I believe. Yeah, 20, like well, he 2020, was, red, everyone gets red he was, anyway. He was so. a backup in 2021. Like he had one year as a starter. Like, this isn't Jack Tuttle where he's been to multiple programs right. and he's 25 years old. Like, he's still pretty young. He's only been at one program that was largely incompetent. Like, I don't think it's crazy that there's more. And he had a weight gain and, like. Development If there. you watch Indiana's offensive line and the tight ends are part of that, too, last year, everyone just given up. Like, <laughs> like the whole offense is predicated on the fact that you suck, and like the, the there's just no reason to play at that point. And I, he wasn't really dogging it, but like nothing. There's there's no way to look at that tape and be like, here's what this guy. And he was injured. We didn't even get to play him. He didn't get to play against Michigan last year. Uh-huh. So like we saw him two years ago when he was the only thing working for them. He was like. You know, uh, mossing Mike Barrett a couple times. Also, their quarterback was a wide receiver. In and their game. quarterback was like, yeah, so you have to do – it's like, you know – I mean, I guess I did Indiana's make an argument not, for Tuttle. Is that like taking the man out of Indiana? But it, Tuttle had – look, Tuttle like, was more part of that offense yeah. than Barner was allowed to be. It was just – Walt Bell's entire offense was like, let's put – Barner somewhere to have a defender over there and so then you're, get you're, away. You're banking on getting the full Penix upgrade here. Yeah. Okay. I did. I guess I did just say that it doesn't matter where Jim Harbaugh goes to fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He even goes to Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> Connecticut quarterback in Connecticut. Was Barner an ice cream in, merchant? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, backups at the tight end position. It's a little thin. Um, is it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Hibner is is a is a solid option. This is his junior year. Uh, he had that big catch and run in the spring game where some linebacker wearing forty one, who I don't know if he's on the team anymore, uh, looked completely insane. He just decided not to tackle him. But <laughs> this is his fourth year. Is it? Yeah, he was a twenty twenty. Oh. Hibner well, was. Yeah, Louis, was, Louis yeah. Hansen was the 2021. Right. Yeah, right. Hibner, yeah, Hibner and Barton are the same class. It's yes. a little weird to yeah. remember that. <laughs> so, I mean, he hasn't really seen the field, but of course not. Michigan entered last year with All and Schoonmaker, and then Colson Loveland happened. Right. So, this should be the year where he's functional enough to Michigan's going to line up in three tight ends, and he's going to be one of them. Yeah. And he's got athleticism. He He's a guy who uh, used to be a pencil neck geek and then started eating 7,000 calories a day. Um, His weight gain was good. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a dramatic late riser in high school, you may yeah, remember. Yeah, he, he had, uh, especially on 24-7. Yep. 24-7 is the service that actually does the best updates. Mm-hmm. They're most careful about that. Uh, and he also caught, uh, I think, 42 balls for like 940 yards. He averaged 22 yards a catch as a senior. So he's a guy with some significant upside who I think will be an effective piece. And then behind him, there's not a whole lot. So So there's been some buzz about two people in particular. Let's start with Marlon Klein. Have you heard this? And the source is photographs 
<laughs> I remember we Until the scrimmage, I think what? yesterday. But you, you were the sources photographed. Yeah, they they were they weren't like it wasn't quotes. It was like we obtained photographs of practice, and he's playing with the ones. I mean, but apparently, because Hibner's a little banged up right now, so yeah. Klein played more in the scrimmage, I guess, this past weekend, and. Uh, Got some catches, what it sounded like, you know, like a larger role than was anticipated. I mean, he he looks the part. Six foot six, German. <laughs> right. With Thanks. a year in Raven Gap Nikucci. Yeah. I had to get that account name in there. You moved you move from <laughs> Germany to Raven Gap Nikucci. Like, can there be a bigger culture shock? <laughs> He's probably like wandering around being like, what happened to the subway? <laughs> 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 it is so clean. <laughs> Germany is so clean. <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> so the other guy that we didn't discuss earlier that also adds to the depth who played a lot last year is Max Bredesen. Fullback. So, yeah. He's a fullback. Sure. Thank you. Thank sure. you. Because last year, do you remember last year, I was like, this guy should be the fullback. Oh, we should have mentioned him in the running backs. That's yeah. why I'm bringing him up now is that even if when you, you say there's no depth, if something happens, maybe it's hurt, something yeah. like that, you can move Max Preston All back right, to tight end. And he, he I mean, he, they, they he don't actually, he, they don't specify on this team. They call the tight ends, full, the fullbacks and no, tight ends they the same specify. thing. Max Preston's like number a, is now 44. He's a fullback. But, yeah. he <laughs> caught, but he caught passes last year in addition to blocking. Yeah. Not a, a, a ton. Yeah, but yeah. like, he, it's not like he's... AJ Williams. They, <laughs> I, could, I wish I had bet on like how many times AJ Williams would come up on this podcast. DraftKings. Uh, uh, and, and yeah, I mean Bredesen, he caught what four passes last year or something. Yeah, but I mean he he wasn't. Yeah. He had a downfield catch and running as Hawaii. He, he had, had more a, than yeah. uh, Honigford. He caught he caught a couple on the flat. He's yeah he's like an option there. Yeah. Um, and he was a redshirt freshman last year. His blocking. Was generally pretty good when he yeah. was actually IDing correctly, which is not consistent. But Richard Freshman, yeah, um, also a guy getting used to a new position. So, yeah, he's he's a guy that we should mention as I a, just as think a viable that, option here. Like I said, if you if something goes wrong and you're forced to play him at tight end, I'm not going like, oh no, who's that? I mean, I think it is less than ideal. I think that he is sure. best as the move tight end, and you do need inline guys. Uh, Particularly in Harbaugh's offense, so yeah. I like I like the fact that he's a, he's a dedicated fullback now. As we mentioned, that just opens up more things you can do in the playbook. Right. And, I mean, there were I think there was a walk on that got mentioned with the tight ends recently. Yeah, that's, that's the other name getting yeah. hype we were going to get to. So Josh Beetham, Beetham, Beether, yeah. who was Beetham, Beetham, who was a quarterback PWO at. Uh, Illinois, they moved him to tight end, and he's like, well, if I'm going to be a tight end, I might as well go to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Ran a 4-4 yeah. ran a, ran a uh, 30 pounds ago, but is also, I think, a senior this year. And mm-hmm. as we discussed, like if you're not hearing about walk-ons in year one or two, it's probably not happening. So he might be the Carter Selzer of this year's Selzer. team. Yeah. <clears throat> I saw him today on campus for some reason. Carter anyway. Selzer. <laughs> We didn't quite finish talking about Marlon Klein. Yeah, we didn't. So Marlon Klein in the spring game uh, didn't have a catch, got two targets. But I thought the first target was actually pretty interesting because that's the one that J.J. airmails for an interception. Right. And it's not a catchable pass. It's definitely in a taco pants. Uh And Klein almost got a finger on it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's some catch radius. And and he was he was pretty wide open. He was wide open. It was a zone. So it wasn't like he like dusted. No, but I mean, if. 
redshirt freshman who can find a spot in a zone and be in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, he – and that was the thing. His recruiting profile was this guy is really fast for his size. Yeah, and yep. like this this is what happens in Europe is if you're a really good athlete who's not shaped the right way to play soccer or basketball, right. like someone ships you over to the States and like, sees what happens. Figure out what we can turn, turn him into a football player. So – yeah, he probably doesn't – I would not expect a whole lot out of Klein this year because of his background. Uh, just a guy who's still learning to block, play football. Yeah, well, he needed to bulk up too when he came yeah. to Michigan. He's also the next guy on the on the list. Like if you're just looking at the roster and right. who are you going to name? Because the guys behind him are true freshmen. Um, and, you know, they lost so many dudes who were on the roster last year even if they weren't playing. Yeah, so it does, it does feel like, you know, this is maybe one – guy short of what Harbaugh wants in terms of a tight end room. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Colson Loveland and A.J. Barner, it's a pretty good start. Yeah. One thing I just want to mention with Beatham and, you know, Bredesen as well is that the way that Michigan now builds their roster where they can essentially turn walk-ons into scholarship players with NIL gives them the opportunity to, like, have a lot of depth at tight end and to have fullbacks because, yeah. like, you're not really that, the problem was like you know where do you where do you burn scholarship and now they can actually go out to like the best fullback prospect or the best like you know move tight end prospect. Well, and be like, I, I mean they're bringing yeah. in Herbert's nephew next year to be a fullback and I'm, yeah, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, all right, we're gonna take a break. Come back, talk about the offensive line. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning? Or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the Big House. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. 
The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high-quality and low-latency communication functionality for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. seat after he loses to DeVry University. (laughs) (laughs) Seth, give me your hottest take about the Michigan offense. The most explosive player in college football this year is Zach Zinner. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. The crazy go go back and look at all Michigan's big explosive plays last year. They're one of the most explosive teams in the country last year. Okay. All right. They weren't doing it through the air mostly, right? Except for when they would play action, someone would be open by 50 yards. Okay. Right? Other than that, it was Zach Zinner absolutely blowing a defensive tackle out of the way. So you got the Edwards runs in the uh, in the game. You have one against Purdue. You have a couple of them against TCU. And then I go back, and he was doing it all season. So when explosive happens at Michigan, it's Zach Zinner. This guy alone... Okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay, is creating. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So it's either play action, which is happening because they're terrified of Zach Zinner and need to activate quickly. Yeah. Or he's just blowing a guy out of the way. Either way, the most explosive player in college football right now is Zach Zinner. Zach Zinner. Dave, give me your hottest take. Based on positions, either 11 or 12 personnel, <laughs> Michigan's second string offense could win them eight or nine games. Okay. Wow. Yes. Okay. When you hot take, you don't have to do like the. Yeah, you got Davis Warren. Also, that wasn't the hot take voice. It was like some sort of weird. Because I had it was long and I had to explain it in yeah, detail. I can't do. No, you're you're 
You're doing like Walter Cronkite with a cold. <laughs> it, it's also, it's also like, all right. So my hot take is going to be this PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> exactly. About twelve. Yeah, they can't like throw the caveats into aren't the hot we, take aren't part. We Michigan can, grads, this you is can what explain we do. the hot take part after. Yeah, you, my whole degree was PowerPoint uh, presentation. That's fine. This is, I, I know a couple comedians. I'll have them help you punch that up. That's a bit. right. <laughs> Who do you know? <laughs> this is Dave Stick. He's terrible at hot takes. <laughs> Love Dave's. Hot I, I I just you, tell you know, the truth. Place, there's a place in LA called Dave's Hot Chicken. Uh, Dave's Hot Takes could be just somewhere wrapped into Dave's Hot Chicken. Okay. Especially because sometimes the chicken isn't that hot. Sometimes the yep. best Dave's Hot Chicken is not that hot. Sometimes the best yeah. Dave's Hot Takes aren't that hot. I just spit the truth. <laughs> oh, so. My, what I'm saying, though, is with the 11 and 12 personnel designations is, therefore, you would get one of their starting three wide receivers or you would get one of their two starting tight ends. Oh, okay. And then you would get Donovan Edwards, obviously. I mean, the Davis Warren is kind of the biggest hurdle there, but... What I mean, is he? What if it's Alex Orgy? Well, then... So you could use that, too. <laughs> then it's a party. The greatest... Oh, no. uh, you, you have, your, your quarterback is the best kick returner in school history. I just started thinking about, like, all right, if you get an injury here, 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 and you're just like, I'm kind of okay with a lot of these. I think they have another guy. And then you start looking at the schedule, and you're like, well, I see four, feet six. I see, wow, you know, things go well. I could see them getting eight or nine wins. Yep. Okay. I don't think they're beating Ohio State, Penn State, and then I'll give them a loss on one of their, you know, mediocre road games, but... All right. Alex, give me your hottest take. AJ Barner will be an all Big Ten caliber tight end. Yes, this year. I like that. I am, I am with this man. This year, yeah. or, or yes, in his this, career. No, this year. Okay, this, this year. year. Okay, so this, year. this was my embargoed dude from the fourth <laughs> segment that you haven't heard yet. <laughs> you will. So this is just caliber. You're, you're well. I don't know if he'll get there because of right. allocation of you know all yeah, those yeah, sorts yeah. of things. But like again, he only played three years in Indiana, and not many of them were actually on the field. Um, he is size. I mean, he was a little injured last year, and now he's coming to a tight end program. And all the buzzes, like you know, look, everyone thinks Loveland's the shiny toy, but like Barner's going to play a lot. To they play defense. with two tight ends a lot. Like they're going to use him. I think they can teach him to block well. I think he'll get him some some catches. And it's not a super strong year for tight ends in the Big Ten either. So, yeah. I mean, he's a red zone guy too. So, like, imagine sure, he get he some touchdowns. Of, yeah, Ian Boyd picked up on this guy too. He was like, he he messaged me and was like, "You guys, how much are you guys talking about AJ Barner?" And we're like, "Well, you could have said that in the segment." <laughs> I know <we> got from- <laughs> he saved it. Yeah, he saved it. Yeah. Well, I, well, I knew who buried the lead. <laughs> Randy, give me your hottest take. Okay, going on that theme, Marlon Klein is the next. <laughs> <Marlon> <laughs> hang on, hang on. So much so that now that they're selling beer at the stadium. Next year is going to be Oktoberfest, the Marlon Klein blend. <laughs> oh, Get his own beer. Tall, full-bodied, catches you in all the right places. Marlon <laughs> Klein Oktoberfest beer. He, I think he's going to be good. Someone said he ran an 11.0 100-yard dash or 100-meter dash. That's Yeah, for that Raven Gap Nikuchi. Yeah, that's fast, man. I I like a tight end that's going to – who's going to cover him? You know, I do think Colson Lovin is great, and I think he leaves after next year. But I, don't sleep on Marlon Klein. Germany almost beat the United States in basketball today. We cannot sleep on Germany in terms of skill <laughs> positions. All right. Jason, give me your hottest take. 
Meet your QB2 for 2023, Alex Orgy! Okay, elaborate. I'll elaborate. So think about, (laughs) I think in a lot of these early games, he's going to be brought in maybe on a lot of, you know, third down, second down packages around the goal line. He's going to score touchdowns. He's going to take more meaningful snaps than any other quarterback who isn't J.J. McCarthy. I think J.J. McCarthy will be healthy. I'm going to knock on some wood and say I hope he's he's solid through the whole year. So QB2, it, it, I think the most effective QB2 in important situations throughout this season will be Alex Orgy. Jason, that was that was my take from our segment, so thank you for hopping on the bad wagon. I also have an Orgy-related hot take. I, this is not supposed to, it's not it's literally just about the player. Alex Orgy scores more touchdowns than Northwestern this year. <laughs> of course he's going to score. He's got Orgy in his name. Ah, we almost got through it, Jason. Jay, why did you do that? You had had to RG3 it. You had to RG3 it. I think Jay needs to be hazed. Scars are in town. We have an event. (laughs) Yes. Details. Yeah, for uh, the Saturday that we're playing UNLV, is uh, we're going to have a tailgate here at Venue with the Sklars. And then that night, that night the Sklars are doing a comedy show at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. Probably two. Probably, Probably two. two. Yeah. So you can go to both of these things on one ticket. We're going to put it up for sale on the on the site soon. It'll be on the in the show notes for this one. So go check that out. You can go to both. You can come to the tailgate. And afterwards, after probably the third quarter <laughs> that game, <laughs> you can go get some dinner and then go see a comedy show at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase with the Sklars headlining. All right, and also check out Cheap Seats. No, not Cheap Seats. The Nosebleeds on the USF Fight Pass. Yeah, the Nosebleeds. That's right. That's right. (laughs) All right. All right, this is the deepest offensive line I can remember. I would be comfortable with probably three third stringers in the starting lineup if it came to that. You're going to do a power ranking of third string OLs? <laughs> I want to know where you guys would rank the second team OL in the Big Ten. I want to know where you would rank the third string OL in the Big Ten. Wow. Third string well, is a little bit farther away. Okay, but they're, better than they're not the, they wouldn't be the worst in the league. <laughs> probably not. Would they be better than Michigan State? Michigan State's OL might be okay. <sighs> Don't say that. You just crushed Brian Stream. You and you and Pro Football Focus. I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Just buying the Mel Tucker. Uh, right. We're we're we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> let's uh, start at the top. Let's start at the top. So Michigan brings back Zach Zinner and Trevor Keegan at the guard positions. <sighs> Zach Zinner is the number one overall ranked guard for the upcoming NFL draft by Dane Brugler of the Athletic. <laughs> Zinter, not Zinter, uh, Keegan. Keegan is 8, 10th or 15th or something in that range. Draftable, okay. not a superhero, but a guy who probably has more upside left than you might think because I'm assuming that his performance last year was impacted by the nagging injuries that kept him out for four or five games. Yeah. So I think that he might have a gear left. Uh, Zach Zinner, I can't imagine him improving. So Hutchinson and then who had a Zinner in uh, memorable history? Uh, wow. Are all offensive line or just guards? Guards. guards. I mean – Because left tackles in Michigan has a lot. You're going to have to get into like some of the All-Americans under Bow and stuff. Right. So yeah. we're going back. Yeah. Car era, I don't think anybody – I mean, like we said, Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Yeah. Hutchinson. yeah. I mean – 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. I, I, my, my brain brought up the Hoke arc and then quickly moved on, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I was going over Zinter's tape and he a couple of really impressive things that he does is, I mean, it's the, that chip from the Ohio State game on yeah. the second Edwards run. Yeah. He did that so consistently. When he's supposed to chip a guy, they get flung halfway across the planet, and then he peels off on a linebacker like it's nothing. That, yeah, the, the one that launched the, the first play of the TCU game. Yeah. It's the oh. same thing. Like, you know, he just bashes this, uh, the center that Onwenu's on like playing with, and then gets down to a linebacker because there's just so much room now. And that was what created that play. And I remember after the Ohio State game, <clears throat> Brad Galley posted a field-level shot of it. Mm-hmm. And that really lets you know. I mean, you can see it from, like, the – what's the camera above the field called? Sky cam. Yeah. yeah. You can see it a little bit on the sky cam. But when you see it from the back and you see Teron Vincent, who was a senior former five-star – Mm-hmm. defensive tackle, take the hit from Zinter, and then is just clearly in another gap. And he actually does a really great job to fight back to that, but he, he he's done. You got too far. Yeah, you got moved too yeah. far yeah. by the physics of Zinter. And, and then Zinter opens up the rest of that gap by taking a charging linebacker out. He did that with such consistency last year. It is remarkable. And... Well, he started as a true freshman. Yes. yes. In the year that did. And he yeah. wasn't, like, bad... He wasn't good, but he wasn't. But he wasn't. Bad. But I mean, you, I, you're going to start yeah. a true freshman OL, and you're like, yeah. I, I, he started actually against Rutgers, which was notable because they ran that weird defense where like the defensive end is always like the stepping back and thing. yeah, and and so he and he did pretty well with that. So like he was, he graded out badly, but like they threw him into the fire. Yeah. So I mean, he's probably going to be the first guard off the board in the NFL draft. A great stepping stone to build on. And then Keegan, I think, is a guy who is a load, completely solid, not the best pass protector, um, probably never going to be – like he came in as a tackle, but it's clear that he's a guard. Yeah. A little bit heavy-footed um, to play on the outside. But like wasn't he a first-team All-Big Ten guy? Uh, I don't remember. I I don't pay attention to it because yeah. I don't like their how they well, figure these things out anyway. I think so both those guys were either for, Zinder was definitely first team. Yeah. Keegan was either first or second. Yeah, to get those back is a lovely little win for the NIL program. Well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at center, uh, it sounds like it's a real battle between Drake Nugent, the Stanford transfer, and Greg Crippen, who uh for the second straight year is watching like one of the best centers in the country come in and pick <laughs> his job, but. But Nugent's getting, like, some All-American hype. Well, so it's a, it's really interesting because they brought in these two different transfers. They brought in Ladarius Henderson. They brought in Nugent. Mm-hmm. And the NFL people like Ladarius Henderson a lot. Uh, like, he's he would have been anywhere from a first-round to a fourth-round pick based on the stuff that I've seen. Probably more towards the back half of that. But very draftable. Nugent, not on NFL draft radars. Pro Football Focus loves Nugent. is pretty indifferent about Henderson. And yeah. We've talked about their OL grading. But part of that is the fact, and this features prominently in the Ohio State section, is that the NFL is becoming more and more just about your athletic traits and, like, your size yeah. and all. So, like, I wouldn't always use NFL interest as a proxy. for Especially for centers. Yeah. Well, right, because Oluwatimi is, like, the best center in the country. And the NFL is like, we don't care. 
Yeah, he's not like, not tall enough. He's like what a fifth rounder. Yeah, yeah. And then his, his yeah, first, but first preseason I, game, he has like fifteen pass and ask no any, pressures. Ask any coach in college, would you take a center who does not make mistakes? And like he would trade his wife for that. Like the. the, the <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them do anyway. I have known offensive line coaches. All right, like that—that is—that is—that is sick. And I mean, one of the reasons that Nugent is small, the, the comp I made was David Mulk when I went yeah. and did it because you have to find a comp in Michigan's history somewhere, and it was obvious who he is most like. I wasn't saying this guy is Mulk, right? But the NFL didn't like Mulk either because he's just yeah, he's not big enough. He's not big enough, but he's so quick, and he's just like such a. I, I, I'm going to go for it. He's such a dog. Like, he just gets in there and just, like, gets out. And, uh, when they get out in space, he goes and finds somebody and hits them. Yeah. And then gets up and then runs over and hits somebody else. And, like, they're, that style of play at center, I think, is very good for what Michigan wants to do. Even if he's just not bashing guys out of the way. He gets around people. Right? And... We knew this from uh, from charting Rich Rod's era, where if you can get a reach block on somebody, that's it. Like, yeah, but Michigan's not going to be running a whole lot of stretch. No, but what they do run is a pin and pull where the backside uh, has to do a kind of a tough block like that. And they had they used to have Onwenu do it, um, but they they really didn't do it last year. I don't think that was something that their center could do probably. But if you can have a guy lined up play side on you and just take him out without just jumping at his legs, that that creates a lot more opportunities for them to run the power stuff that they do on the other side of it. So how legitimate do you think this reputed battle between Crippen and Nugent is? Honestly, my guess is that they're trying to convince Crippen to stick around on the program because they're going to need him in the future. Or and they'll just get the next, like, Number one, well, I, transfer, we, like over spring, we were all talking about Raheem Anderson. Well, and all of a sudden that disappears, and it's like Crippen is a starter too. I, that's the mysterious part yeah. to me. Is like Raheem Anderson looked really good in the spring. He looked really good when he got in last year. I have clips yeah. from him where I'm just like, yes, sir. Yeah. So, because well, when Harbaugh said like we have two starting centers, and I was like, all right, Nugent and Anderson, and then he's like, it's Nugent and Crippen, and I yeah. was like. Crippen, okay. I, I don't, don't you think that's a really good sign for Crippen? Sure. Yeah. Like, so he redshirted last year. That's why he wasn't playing. Right. Mm-hmm. He didn't get a redshirt as a true freshman, so he only played in one game last year. And I thought Anderson, like, honestly, if he was starting this year, I'd be like, fine, good. Yeah. Um, so for him to be obviously clear of a guy who really flashed over the course of the past year, I mean, it probably means he's really good. Also, he was at IMG and he's playing center. Yeah. And and we love IMG centers because Cesar Ruiz is like right. <laughs> um, but I think part of the idea is they didn't think they were going to have a center when they got him and they're like okay if this if we need a guy to start as a true freshman right there was no concept at that point that Olu was going to be available and coming in right they thought they well, he would have been a redshirt freshman last yeah year. Not yeah a true freshman. No, but if you're going to be starting a redshirt freshman, he yeah. would have been a true sophomore last year, right? Yeah. Because they redshirted that's, that's, him yeah. last that's year. Why they, that's why they played him as a right. freshman because they were like, all right, well, this guy might be our starter next year, right? But I also go back to when he, his with his recruiting, like Michigan loved him. Michigan was like, this is our guy, and I thought a lot of that was looking at the depth chart, saying we're going to need a center. I, I don't sooner rather than later. I mean, but like if you get 
a center who can start early, that means they've got the mental part down, and that's the yeah. most important thing about center. Yeah. But it was clear that Michigan thought he was a center. Do you think they're going to start him in one of these non-conference games? I bet they do. Aren't they yeah. saying that they're going to have, like, rotational they're doing that with, they, They've explicitly said they're going to do that with the tackles. They have not said it about center, but... I think they did. Let me pull up that quote. Okay. Because, like, honestly, Crippen is... Probably like, all right, this is the second straight year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you get, you get him a start, you get some tape on him that you can look at, and then you go into next year and you're like, all right, Crippen's our guy. Yeah. And then Anderson walks. Anderson competes with Atterbury at the other guard spot. Because you get El Hadi moving up, and then you have Atterbury and Anderson. I, honestly, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, their tackles are actually tackle-shaped, and we'll get to them in a second, but, like, the – historically, you would look at the tackle roster and the guard roster and the center roster and say, like, the guards can come from anywhere. Right. So it's so – but you, you those had, guys are really kind of on top of that. Most centers can play guard. Not all guards can play center. Yeah. So Anderson is 6'3". He's not, like, one of those centers who's too small to play guard. I think he'll be a viable option there. While we're here, we might as well talk about El Hadi, mm-hmm. who started in, I think, four games and played big chunks of another couple and looked like he was already an above-average Big Ten guard until he got to Illinois. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And there's – I mean, Jerzon Newton is probably going to be a top half of the first-round pick this year. He dump-trucked El Hadi a couple times. We're still talking about a redshirt freshman going yeah. up against a real dude. And his his number of mistakes – was super low for a guy in his spot. And he's a top 100 recruit. I think he's going to be a locked-in starter next year. And I think he's going to be an all-Big Ten player. I mean, let's face it. He's probably going to have to start a few games because we've had two years in a row where Keegan missed some games. Yeah. So, and like, I think that's just price. Isn't, and this is also just part of, like, load management, right? Because they have Partially, guys. But and, like, yeah. you want Keegan in the in the November games. And so... Yeah, and I, I would like to... I think Al Hadi should probably start a couple of games just because Michigan can afford it. And he's mm-hmm. he's tracking towards I mean, being a really good player. Mike Morris gets hurt in a 31-3 game against Nebraska yeah. that he maybe <laughs> doesn't need to be in. At the end of the game. Right. Yeah. So then, like, <laughs> let's have other guys who are going to try to win jobs in 24 be getting some experience in playing. We don't need line chemistry. We have it already. All right. And then tackle. So here's the quote real okay. quick. Uh, four starting tackles that we have. It'll go through camp. I envision starting two tackles the first game, two tackles the second game. I see that happening at edge. Could be the case at center. Okay. So there it's you go. a possibility. Yeah. I think they'll do it. It just makes sense. Um, at tackle, those four guys are Carson Barnhart and Trent A. Jones returning from last year's team and transfers Ladarius Henderson and Miles Hinton. Um, Harbaugh, about halfway through camp, said that the guy having the best camp was Carson Barnhart, which... Uh, Got everyone riled up. Did. Well, because it's the one guy that we didn't want to hear the most from. Because, like, Barnhart, you know he knows the system. You know that he can play any position on the line. You know he's going to be the sixth man this year unless they need him to start. And you know that when he met Jacoby Widman against Michigan State in the open field, he got blasted back. Right. And it just kind of felt like that's his ceiling. Yeah. He's like, he's a really smart guy. He, he's pretty solid in pass protection. But when he comes up against really good players, they outperform him. And I've written him up for the season preview already, and I think I compared him to a flat track bully because when he was playing Nebraska, he whipped up on him. Mm-hmm. And when he was playing um, 
Ohio State, like he got dumped in the backfield by JTT. Um, and when he played uh, Garrett Nelson from Nebraska, who was their one good mm-hmm. defensive player last year, he gave up a pretty ugly sack. Um, when he played uh, Aaron Lewis of Rutgers, who's a terrible uh, run defender, but a good uh, pass pro uh, pass rusher, like he was a plus eight on the ground and he also had five pass pro minuses. So <laughs> yeah. it kind of feels like if he goes up against an average player, he's going to win that battle. But when he comes up against someone who's particularly good at any one department, um, it's just not going to go well for him. Yeah, he's, he's had a gazillion snaps. He was another guy who played in 2020. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I will say is that of all the positions on the football field, offensive line generally develops slowest. Mm-hmm. And all he needs is more strength. And it's, he's still developing that. I mean, you develop that over the course of your college career, especially as an offensive lineman. It's his fifth year, right? Yes. So his improvement should not be radical, but there's a possibility that he hits like a tipping point. Yeah. And once he gets past that tipping point, he's actually a really good lineman. I mean, the offseason stories about Drake Nugent is that like the guy does not – he goes to red. He spends his – he cannot cannot stop working out. Like if Carson Barnhart – like was his his workout buddy or something I mean, like that. I, some I guys, can see it. Some guys just don't have the physical ability to be big, large, huge, strong guys, and that might be him. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like of all the, all the tackles, Carson Barnhart has the highest floor and the lowest ceiling. Yeah, and so ideally he'd get passed, but he also provides like I mean, if he's playing, he's probably honorable mention all Big Ten or something. So you know? what's the possibility that? Harbaugh said that quote to keep Barnhart happy, knowing he's going to be the sixth man again. I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> I think by this point, Barnhart knows Harbaugh's quotes. <laughs> he's been around as long as we have. I mean, he's also decided to come back. He could have gone on and done something else with his yeah, life. He he's been around for a while. He could have transferred, but I mean, I mean, or turning starting tackle. I mean, he's the returning star. He's the Cade McNamara of the. Well, and so line. let's talk about Trent A. Jones now. Trent A. Jones came into last year as the locked on starter at right tackle. Yeah, it was not a position battle. Like in spring, he won it. He's early. He won spring. it in spring, yeah. and there was no real doubt. He starts playing. He's he plays pretty well. He gets a high ankle sprain. He's knocked out for a few games. He comes back <clears throat> as the bonus OL, mm-hmm. and they just go with Barnhart. The rest of the year, even even in the TCU game, which is like a month after the regular season ends, right. so you'd feel like it's another you, camp. Yeah, if you you you'd think that if he was healthy enough to be the bonus OL down the stretch, and he had an extra month that he was fully healthy for the bowl game, and Michigan just chose Carson Barnhart over him, so so he did have some glaring. Pass pro minuses. Yes. Not a lot, those, but there were a few that you're just like, whoa. Those he were, steps the wrong way, though. Those are fixable mistakes. Yeah, those are mental issues. Okay. Yeah. So I would rather have that than him just getting... Just getting worked. Yeah. yeah. Unless the mental issues have continued in fall. And keep in mind, we're early fall camp when we're talking. Like the, We've had a week and a half at this point when we're talking, and things happen over... Let's, but yeah. both my grading and pro football focuses grading were much higher on Trent A. Jones than Barnhart. And we keep talking about pro football focus, OL grading issues. I think all of those go out the window when you're talking about teammates because they're yeah. being graded by the same guy in similar context in the same offense. In the same position, too. Playing yeah. basically the same level of competition. So it is true that Barnhart got Penn State and Ohio State and 
Trent A. Jones's draw was much easier in terms of schedule strength, but um, <clears throat> I just I was surprised. I thought Jones was better last year. I thought everything sort of surrounding that position battle would indicate that he would get his job back when he was healthy. You see it with Jones. He's got mammoth strength. Yeah. He's got very long arms. And it's kind of a thing that Michigan likes to do with their tackles is they get a guy who's like 6'5 instead of 6'8. But he's got the same length as any 6'7 tackle. And he's got those feet. So you're like, this guy has very high upside. Yeah. And he's, I think, the same great as Barnhart. Yes. Yeah, they so, came in 19. Yeah, so fifth-year senior should be pretty put together at this point. Yeah. And, I I mean, I would expect him to win the right tackle job. Jones? Yes. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I expect. But, you know, they're saying different things. Um, and then the two transfers, we'll start with Miles Hinton. Miles Hinton um, – who we really wanted when he was a recruit. He was a five-star. I mean, yeah. it was a huge recruiting miss. It was really disappointing. Um, but he comes in and, and he gives quotes where it's like, yeah, I just didn't really know if, like, I wanted to do football that much. <laughs> do football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, do that hockey. Um, so not really a Harbaugh guy. Not entirely surprising that he went to Stanford. Yeah. But when he's like, I'm leaving, he had a decision to make. And his decision was to come to Michigan. And that is not a decision that you make if you are just wanting to play, right? Well, you think about him, and he is the brother of the big football player. His dad was a football player. And there comes a point where you have to accept it for yourself, right? And you have to kind of make that decision. I've been raised a football player, but is this what I really want to do? And you can make the argument that coming to Michigan is that sort of kick in the butt turning point where he sort of accepts, this is me now. This is what I want to do. So at Stanford, he had about a season and a half of starting experience that did not go well. As (laughs) as a sophomore, he was a disaster uh, as a pass protector and as a run defender, uh, run blocker. As a junior, his pass blocking got significantly better, Mm -hmm. and he was still abysmal as a run blocker. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was targeting issues. It's just, I I actually came away from watching this film a lot higher on him than we were coming in. Stanford runs this, like, stupid offense. Yeah. Where, like, you don't know if it's going to be a pass or a run. Right. So you can't really assertively go downfield to climb to a linebacker. Yeah, it's like, it's it's an RPO with, like, a forever read. Yeah. And it's, it was hard. It's it's annoying to chart. It's probably more annoying to play in as a tackle because you want to go and get a linebacker and like they're just i mean i was like i was really mad at how like gingerly he was doing everything and i realized that the entire offensive line was doing the same thing right because you can't go downfield yeah so you're just kind of stuck in this like oh okay i hope this works (laughs) yeah and and so i was a little i I was encouraged by that i was also encouraged because you see why he was a five-star please just look at him Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah but also you see him move Right? Like, he moves very, very fluidly for a guy with that kind of size. Right. So, I think Hinton is coming in, and he's like a starting tackle in Harbaugh's eyes. Fine. I would be shocked if he got more than four games. Because his first year was 2020. Yeah. He is not redshirted other than 2020. Right. I mean, 2020 doesn't count. So, if he redshirts this year, he's got two more. Yes. And he's still a project. Yeah. Right? He needs Ben Herbert. He needs Sharon Moore. He needs to play in Michigan's offense. So I, I think of the four guys who are quote-unquote starters, he is the farthest from the field and the least likely to actually play. I thought that there's a po- – I mean, I could also see him kind of coming around by the end of the season. He's, he came in injured too. 
I mean, is it likely that he's going to be significantly better than either Barnhart or Trent A. Jones by the end of the year? Yes. No. It's possible. No, <laughs> I could see this happen because you have the athleticism out there. If Trent A. Jones doesn't get the job and it's Barnhart all year. Just right mentally, tackle. he's picking up an entirely different offense. Yeah, but he's I mean, not entirely different. Stanford and Michigan's offense. I mean, the the weird thing they were doing with the reads, but he was in Stanford's offense for longer than that. And the family knows. I mean, they, they know. They know football. They, and Shaw was teaching kind of the same things on offensive line. You know, Doesn't look like it. <laughs> until they went to this stupid thing, right? Um, but, like, I, I, the, the line calls and stuff like that, a lot of them are the same. Like, sh- like Stanford had the same line calls as Michigan. We've been using oh, the same. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't change anything from Harbaugh, right? They just yeah. went to Shaw and that yeah. was what they were doing. I still, I still just – what this makes sense from both the player and the program perspective is that this makes sense as, as a redshirt year for him and then he's going to try to, like, hit the gas. I think so. I think that next year is the – I don't think there's any chance he's going to the NFL after this year. No. Especially if you're redshirts. Yeah. He came in injured and I think he should redshirt for the first half of the season regardless because there's just so much – Bad, you have to get out of his head to like rebuild the I mean, player. Just watching the watching the guy play, it's like yeah. I, I don't I don't see it this year. I yeah, can see it down the road, but I do give Michigan credit; they know how to develop players. And if you're getting to the Maybe. end of the season this year, you're getting to the Penn State stretch, and you need somebody to block and Carson Barnhart because uh, who's blanking on the guy's name? But Penn State's got a ridiculous pass rusher, Chop, Chop, Chop Robinson. Robinson. I mean, that guy's gonna murder Carson Barnhart. And if Trent A. Jones is not ready to play, well, he didn't murder Carson Barnhart this year. Uh, what they do against it? I have to go back and look. But well, like, they there just was ran for four hundred yards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did we? Well, yeah. Did we throw in that game? Like, no. I guess that's that's a, that good point. Yeah. So, um, well, they have to throw in this year's game anyway. Well, if you're you're not gonna. That was such a coaching win. They're, you're not going to be able to pull yeah, them they're, up away. They're going to fix that. Yeah. It's going to be at Penn State. They're not going to be fix at night, that or but... Manny Diaz is going to be on the first boat out of town. Yeah. Right. He's been there before. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the other option to tackle is Arizona State transfer Ladarius Henderson, the player to be named later in the uh, Frankie Collins trade. NFL-level guard. Win. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, they made the tournament last year and we didn't. <laughs> Good for them. Um, <sighs> NFL-level guard. Uh, who's probably going to be the starting left tackle? Super athletic, uh, six foot four, not ideal uh, height, but has super long arms. And the question is, is like, why is he playing guard for Arizona State, which is not a program that has like tackles coming out their ears? Yeah, uh, I mean, their situation was a little weird, where they they end up having to play guard early, and then he was just he was seventeen years old and starting for them. Yeah, he at tackle. At, he started left tackle as yeah. a freshman at seventeen. Yeah, and so then. But because the reason why he was starting at left tackle at 17 is they had no tackles. Right. So then Arizona State just went and, like, grabbed everyone who looked plausibly tackle-shaped in the portal and also had some other guys, like, coming off of red shirts and whatnot. So they were tackle poor, and then they just went and got a gazillion tackles, and they had a guy who was a pretty decent player who was their tackle, and you obviously play that guy at tackle. He was, like, six foot eight. So then Henderson was the one playing next to him, and also there – they did a lot of pulling in that offense where the guard actually ends up being the edge protector. So, Oh, that play action. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So Henderson, I, when I – another guy, I went and saw the film when I was doing the write-up and I was like, 
better than I than I thought this was going to be. I thought I was going to see like I don't know Carson Barnhart, and then we're going to turn turn no, him into he's like, like and he's he's a beast. Yeah, yeah, it's, and he's got those really long arms. He's really hard to get around. Yeah, um, there are a lot of plays where a speed rusher tries to get him. You think the rusher's won, and all of a sudden shove. And he just flies past the quarterback. And that could just be, like, the competition in the Pac-12. Like, no one knows how to, like, set an edge. But it happened with such frequency that I kind of... You think it's he's a good... He's going to be a solid pass protector? I think he's title? I think he's going to be able to make it work college-wise. Okay. Um, probably still, not, like... Still an NFL guard. Yeah, still an NFL guard. But, I mean, we've had... You know, Runyon was the, that kind of guy. Like, that's the kind of player. So who do we want to win the tackle spots? Henderson and Jones, I think. So if if they if we go into Nebraska with those two guys, that's. I mean, there's a case to be made. Like if Hinton wins it, that like they fixed. There's him. no way. <laughs> <laughs> there's a case you if they if he is in the, if it, he beats this if he is the, on top of this depth chart uh, he has yeah, had sure. to have come a long if, way. If he is on top of this depth chart, right. But that was the question. If Who like, do you want to win? Well, okay. Realistically, <laughs> right? if he is on top of this depth chart, I'm firing Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> oh. Spicy takes. Because that man would be God incarnate. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but we want Henderson at left tackle and Jones at right tackle. And if yeah. that happens yeah. and they look plausible, we're good. And I, want Barn- I don't want Barnhart to win because I want him to be the sixth man. He's the guy that you – Insert when someone gets hurt. Well, I mean, whatever. I think there's a, there's a pro- a possibility that you have Barnhart starting at left tackle for a chunk of the year, as Henderson sort of like settles in. Yeah. Chunk of the year meaning the non conference schedule, basically. And they're gonna. I mean, they already announced that they're gonna you know they're do a rotate on. Yeah, right, so. which is why I said when you. I mean, they, when they go to Lincoln, that's when the lights come on. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I, I yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, no, no offense to Carson Barnhart, but I just think the other guys have higher upsides. And if it is Barnhart, like it's going to be fine, right? Yeah. At left tackle? Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I like him better at left tackle than right tackle. There's Really? Yeah, because a right tackle is usually more of a run blocker, and the left tackles were usually more of a pass blocker. Okay. So, personally, I like him on the left better because you don't usually need to be such a brute there. And if his pass protection is good, then there you go. Dallas. All right. I would say that Rutgers is the more interesting thing for tackles than Nebraska, by the way. Just okay. While we're on this topic. It, Nelson is gone. Yeah, now? yeah. Okay. Nebraska's D-line got just devastated. And Rutgers actually has competent pass rushing edges. They have Aaron Lewis, and they got, what's the other guy's name back? Wesley yeah. Bailey. Yeah. Right. Like, but, those guys are real edges. But my point is, they're going to they're gonna win the Rutgers game. I, I Sure, but if I'm we're worried just about doing Shop a limit. Robinson. I'm working, worried about Jack Sawyer. I'm working about, worried about JTT. Like, you shouldn't be. Uh, we'll talk about this more in the Ohio State section. But you know what JTT's pass rush win rate was last year? Huh? Nine percent. What? What about Sawyer's? I don't. I didn't check. He that. wasn't a starter. So. <clears throat> All right. This is this is the yeah three podcasts later today. <laughs> Do you know what Taylor Upshaw's win percent was? Ten. <laughs> Do you count the one that he made that fourth quarter play against? Was it Nebraska, where the guard just doesn't block him? That was Illinois. We were just really, watching. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's is, that, dub, is, that a, is that a win? That's a dub, baby. <laughs> hey, you know what? Taylor Upshaw did well against Rutgers. That was his one. That, that was that was his uh, his game where his he game like, in the sun. He got himself from like you know four percent to ten percent. But right anyway, there. that's more of the Ohio State segment. Which is is there weird. anything else? Are we talking Percy Bounds Gentry? I think it's interesting that uh, Gentry. Is the guy who Harbaugh's like, it kills me not to put this guy in the 2D. 
Yeah. Really? Yeah, because he's a redshirt freshman coming off a, a Mormon mission. So he's old. He's old, but also he's he spent wasn't, two years yeah. without working out. Really. He wasn't footballing. Yeah, so, you have to count him as a 2021, not as a – or a 2022, not as a – 2020. Yeah, so I think for Harbaugh to be so enthusiastic about him at this juncture was a really good sign. Yeah, and he's the kind of guy that Harbaugh likes. I mean, he's a stuber. Like he's a oh, yeah. big Balkan. Well, he's he's a left tackle. He can. He's that's why he was a top 50 recruit. He's I mean, six foot eight. He has the feet. I he has the okay. He has B feet. I think he's a right tackle. I think he's a very good mashing well, Michigan right Jim tackle. Well, Jim Harbaugh disagrees, maybe. Well, we okay. saw Percy start last year against Rutgers. He was. And it was fine. He was. He was so. It was fine. He had pass protection issues. Sure. Yeah, as mentioned, retro freshman, have some good edges. He was good as a, as a run blocker. He didn't look completely out of place. He got roped in the spring game this year. Yes. He did. <laughs> like it was, it was ugly. I remember that. That is what I went in watching the most was him, and I think Bounds uh-huh. and guys were and, like, "All right." I mean, I wasn't expecting Bounds to be ready because he came in a, a stick who can move trucks, and they have to like put a lot of weight on him. But Percy, like, this is the first year that Percy was going to be like Ryan Hayes ready, and uh, the, the spring game did not make me feel good about that. Well, the good news is that if Percy doesn't work out, Michigan still has four tackles, right? <laughs> Um, I think we've talked about everybody we need to talk about, right? We've talked about the three deep, so <laughs> we're good. We don't we have didn't a f- talk about Dom Jadis. Well, now we have. We're going to take a break. Come back and sort of give out some overall thoughts. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of Homeshare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use Homeshare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, Equal Housing Lender. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirt.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, 
or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. recorded this on Sunday at Venue, and halfway through, maybe a third of the way through, we decided we would get some brunch. And everything that came to everybody's plate looked amazing. I had the biscuits and gravy. It was delicious, uh, nutritious, and, and a filling meal. So if you guys are in the market for some food on Sunday, brunch at Venue. All right, so this offense looks like it should be the best offense of the Harbaugh era. Do you know what Harbaugh era offense highest SP plus rank is? Nine. Fifteen. Okay. Which was last year. Oh, last year. year. Yeah. Okay. What offense in your memory would you take over this one? Um, Like, let's say post-Bow. Maybe the, like, Avant Edwards Breston Hart year. Uh, well, there oh, were six? several of those. I no, mean, there's oh, only one where they were all on the roster. Um, and they were all 04 and 05. Yeah, like 06. Yeah, 06 is the one I would... Because that's when you have, you know, Henny's a Henny, junior. Yeah. And you have Arrington on the roster. You have Breston on the roster. Manningham. You don't have Breland anymore. You have Manningham. You have yeah, Manningham on true. there. Yeah. So you take the 06. But that, you know what? The 06 offensive line was like three guys. I, I'm, I would not take 06 over this one, but that's the... Contest. The 3 yeah. You have Bourne starting on the offensive line in 06. What about the 3 Navarre, Navarre quarterback? Chris Perry? JJ? No. 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 Navarre versus JJ? Like, no, I agree. <laughs> like, I mean, the only thing that any of the, like, car or later era offenses could have over this one is, like, a star at wide receiver. Yeah. Like, a David Terrell mm-hmm. or a Braylon, Braylon Edwards. Edwards. Literally Manningham. the only thing. Yeah. Because the running backs are better. I don't think any of the tight ends are going to massively outplay Colson Loveland. The line will be no question. And then J.J. is probably the best quarterback since Harbaugh. When's the last time a Michigan quarterback was even talked about as a first-rounder? I mean, Henny until going into 2007. Yeah. But, like, that was... But, but you take J.J. Yeah. over Henny. I mean, like... Every day. The yeah. only guy that is sort of a comp to... JJ is sort of Harbaugh, right? Yes. Like they're the same. Yeah, they're the same human. <laughs> no, it's like a it's Zen Harbaugh. No. Like Harbaugh is not like a golden retriever of a man. He's he's a he's 
Nick Offerman, except he's a football coach. So JJ needs to get weirder to reach the Harvard. He's, he's already weird. He's, he's got, already he's, weird. He's got time. He's, he's, he's not the like, problem. He's weird in a different way. So he needs to start giving like folksy quotes of like what my dad used to say. Yeah, he, or like just get give reporters tips about meditation and press conferences. <laughs> You were going to say he, something? Well, just he's the only quarterback I've ever heard who's just happy to run the ball. Yeah, he's just he's just like that guy. He's just like, oh, man. But, I mean, the point there is, like, this has the potential to be the best Michigan offense ever. I mean, post, like... In the SP Plus era. When, well, yeah. but even... I think it... I don't Even think, in, like, the Bo era. I think it would be an upset if it wasn't. Right? Well, Bo is different. I mean, because it's but just... That, but you're the, I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about the, and oranges you're talking about point. like the Molar offense, the early Molar offenses where they had like '90s Howard and, and Wheatley, and Wheatley was replacing like two other really great but backs, you're not, and they had great offensive not, linemen. But and, you're not taking those offense over this one, are you? Why are we talking about this without Craig here? Because the point is, is Craig that will be like, ah, Craig is going to quote the, about Craig, the, the mad magician. Craig was only like, like two thousand nine hundred ninety years old for the nineties <laughs> right. offenses. But I'm no, just, I mean, I'm just saying, like, this is as hype. I mean, I remember coming in as a freshman in 03 and people were like, this was going to be the best right. Michigan offense. Lightning round. Okay. okay. Biggest concern on offense going into the season. Other than well, we we have to do the other, other than, other than getting hurt. Yeah, that's off the board. <sighs> he can't even think of one. I mean, um, I probably, <laughs> I just feel like it would probably be some version of like still being like, I feel like I felt this in the Harbaugh era that they haven't been as high up in some of the metrics because they play rather conservative. Like Harbaugh doesn't yeah. like to over, like you think about Ohio state, they love to just like run up the score. 49, nothing in the first half. Yeah. yeah the like state. they, yeah. like they play to juice their SP plus rating. Yeah. Like I feel like. The concern of what if they're not top five in SP plus offense will be like, well, they just stopped playing after they were up twenty nine nothing on Rutgers, yeah. right? Like, right. That would be that's that. your concern <laughs> that the S and P numbers won't reflect the actual reality of the offense. <laughs> All right, that's a good sign, Dave. The only thing that I can even remotely think of is like they just don't have like that dude at wide receiver. Okay, and they might need it against maybe Georgia. against Georgia or. I don't even think they would need it against Ohio State, but like if they have to play, say, Alabama and then Georgia in the playoff, like that, you could see that. I mean, that's what we've seen. I mean, in the Georgia game, they ran out of athletes yeah. two years ago. Mm-hmm. And not that they don't have athletes, but they just don't have that brain. I mean, when guy. they move the ball against Georgia, they're throwing to Eric All, and now they have Colston Loveland. Right, which is well, why this Mike, is a, this is a different my concern. Like, yeah. They're going to be talented, but that was probably the best college defense maybe of all time i'm just i, I would yeah i'm just <laughs> saying like, what a, find me i mean they don't have a fourth string ol like what do you want me to all say? right i seth pass protection from right tackle okay mm. that's actually a concern you managed to come up with one yeah mine is that i'm not sure that they're gonna take advantage of all the things that they can actually do this is a little bit similar to alex's but more on the point of like we could lose a football game mm-hmm. um because you know i want jj to run the ball like, I know that there's a risk of injury, but they're I'm not going to do it. They're too I know, risk averse. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I think that their, their risk aversion, like putting all that focus on the Ohio State game is like, all right, well, we can't get hurt against Ohio State. So we, we see things like in the in the Iowa game, like JJ's got a lane up field and he pops it outside for five yards and gets out of bounds. Or, you know, uh, Blake Corum popping outside 
twice in the Illinois game. But mm-hmm. that's mostly fine, right? It's mostly fine, but that Illinois game, we were down in the fourth quarter. They're also missing, like, seven. That's, you're going to be missing guys this year. Yeah. You're going to, I mean, Maryland or a Minnesota or some, like, mid-level team can come and bite you if yeah, you're but the Maryland game is, long. or the, 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 the Maryland game, maybe, but the Minnesota game is so early in the season. In, in any case, I just feel like... There's a possibility that instead of looking at all the weapons they have and being like, let's score 50 points a game, they're going to be like, let's keep stuff in the barn for Ohio State. Let's not get yeah. people hurt. And then, you know, sometimes people get hurt anyway. The Penn State game is a little too close to the Ohio State game. Yeah. Where like, you know, last year they did bring stuff out of the barn for Penn State. And it was right. obvious and it was awesome and it worked. And then they had time to do something else. And they, us. yeah. All right. Breakout player, Alex. Uh... It's so hard. I get to go first, so I'll just take Tyler Morris. Uh, you guys Tyler are... Tyler Morris, okay. <laughs> Elaborate. Well, he didn't play very much last year, and this year he'll have a big role. That was the easy one on the table, Thanks. and I Thanks, Alex. and I took it. Great one. Dave. So maybe statistically in the vein that Alex is going Roman Wilson. I okay. think that's a, that's a pretty interesting mm-hmm. pick, because he had like 25 catches last year. Like a guy but who, like you said, he's probably going to get more targets. They yeah. have two kind of proven wide receivers now. They do have Loveland, and they can use Edwards. We ha- we don't haven't seen them use Edwards like that yet. We hope that they will. But Roman Wilson, he adds a lot of flair. Seth, I mean, are, are we not using Colston Loveland? I was a little bit surprised myself. <laughs> I was like, these guys are just taking it for granted so we, much. Yeah, I mean, we like, didn't think you would think. It he's was. got like 15 catches, but like that's not a lot. So, I mean, if we're still in the break, I mean, he still has rookie eligibility. Like, let's let's call Colson Loveland. All right, that sounds like a good one. Uh, if I can't take any of the guys who have already been mentioned, who would room? you have taken? Of if you could Loveland. take anyone? Okay, I mean, and if you can't take anyone, I mean, we're out of like guys who like are likely to see significant playing time. I guess I would go with Ben Hall. Like, I don't think he's going to get a ton of carries, but I do think he's going to establish himself as a clear number three back, and he's going to be like the guy people are excited about next year. I'm really hoping for Ladarius yeah. Henderson, though. I I would go with. Drake Nugent. I mean, if we're going I mean, for hard, guys we haven't mentioned to, yet. Like, it's hard to say that someone's going to be a breakout player when they're already one of the best offensive linemen in the Pac-12. Well, sure, but like yeah. he's fighting for with Crippen for his job right now, and I think he's going to be awesome, and we're going to love him. And he's like, he's got a David Mulk kind of personality. So like All this right. blog is going to give him a little bit more love, even than his play might deserve because of that. All right, who's your dude? What this means is like the guy you were most irrationally optimistic or in favor of. Like he could be just a weird guy who you like a lot or just a guy who other people aren't expecting a whole lot from that you are just like super high on. Alex. Well, the problem is that this is what my hot take is for this segment. So now I have to choose something else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (coughs) Actually, by this point, we've actually done the hot take. We've already done the hot take. But but I can't tell you what it is now because (laughs) we haven't taped it yet. It'll ruin the hot take. Oh, we are a very professional podcast. Very professional podcast. Dave, we're going to give him some time to come up with one. So it's irrational dude? You're just, just your dude who you're like, yeah, this is my dude. I'm just excited about Wilson again. Wilson again? I just – I think that like for the reasons I say he's going to be the breakout player is my – the same reasons I'm excited to really watch him. All right. I mean, 
Blake Corum. I'm so excited to just watch play football, but I'm taking him off the All table. Right. Seth. Uh, yeah, Blake Corum is everyone's dude. Right. You can't, you can't I, go with that one. And Diamond I mean. Edwards is also you like also everybody. So now we're just eliminating all the best James players Aaron on the Hardy team. Is everyone's <laughs> you, dude. Can't like, be, you can't be like irrationally optimistic about Blake Corum because right. he's rational. Right, right. <laughs> Or, or Loveland, for that matter. I mean, this is what like, I'm saying. Lock, this is what he's saying. No, but I'm, I'm taking Tyler Morris for this one because yeah. I've been on this guy since he was, uh, you know, when I was looking at his recruiting profile, I'm like, well, people are sleeping on this guy. He sh- he was close to being a five-star, probably one of the guys that normally gets recruited by Ohio State. And because of the injury, people forgot that this guy can play football. And you add in the fact that he's got a mind melt with JJ, that he, like, instantly became a starter and was getting mentioned with the other guys. And, like, I that's that's the guy I'm going to point. Because I pointed to last year. I'm like, that's the guy. I knew he was going to be the best receiver out of this trio because he was okay. the lowest ranked. And, like, I'm still on this train. All right. My dude is Raheem Anderson. No, he's not going to play this year. So, like, I was thinking of Cole Cabana is probably the truth. But I was like, well, how many times does he get a touch of football? Next year, I'm calling him for next year. There are so many locals who want to mention Cole Cabana to you right now. But, like, I... It's a very Ann Arbor pick, Brian. From what we've seen... (laughs) Dexter pick. Yeah. There's a billboard of him in Dexter. (laughs) (laughs) You guys... You guys are... Guys are rude. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) From what I've seen from him in the spring game, and especially when I was clipping him last year at the tail end of football games, I just think he's got it. I think he's there mentally. I think he's there physically. I think it's shocking that he's not in the conversation with Crippen and and Nugent. But I think that he starts at guard next year. And I will be watching late games to see how he does. And I think he's going to be a dude. I, I appreciate that pick because he was the one who like reads them go blog. Like that was part of his, his thing. Yeah, and and he, uh, and like I didn't follows know that. and that follows Doctor Sap. Really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> now I'm going to have to sabotage the rest of the center room. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final S and P plus rank. Uh, seven. Seven. Dave. Four. Four. Third. Third. I got ninth. I'm uh, the most pessimistic, but yeah. I think it's I think it's going to be the Alex thing. Where yeah, it's just like they're not they're not putting out the full show against Rutgers. I I mean, at least we don't have to worry about whether they're going to put the full show for Michigan State this year. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. I I just think that they're the kind of offense that's going to rip someone who is like irrationally ranked in the twenties. Like they're going to just destroy Minnesota. Okay, and then Minnesota's going to play the Big Ten West and like end up top fifteen. It's going to be like hey, Michigan had five hundred forty-five yards against the. Do top. you know something about Minnesota that I don't? They have a. Do you know that PJ Fleck is there? They have I know. They pretty decent the defense, and you only need right, a pretty well, decent this, defense this to shut down Big Ten West offenses. So, All right. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the offensive preview for the MGO Blog 2023 season preview. We got more of this to come. Listen to the MGO podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook, David Nasnack, and Alex Drain. And when JJ McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, and Blake Corm are up at the Heisman, they're going to say Zach Zinner was the reason.
better than us.